Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, guys? You're now listening to another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jake Kinch, and we are back yet again. This is episode 76, and we have another stacked show for you guys this evening. Before we talk about tonight's lineup, you guys already know what's up. Your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. We're your premier source for all things mixed martial arts. Our team is always hard at work bringing you guys the most reliable information, all the breaking news, tons of exclusive content as well. As I've told you guys in weeks past, we've relaunched the site. Looks amazing. We've added new features. The navigation's better. Not only do we have everything you need to know about the sport, and of course, BJPenn.com, Radio the Fighter's Voice, but we've also got BJJ with BJ, bringing you guys technique and instruction from the man himself, BJ Penn. You guys can ask him to go over and break down any technique using the hashtag BJJ with BJ. And uh, speaking of technique, Evolve MMA, they've been putting out some really, really cool uh, videos, instructional videos, technique videos as well. We've got a bunch of those dropping this week. All that and much more, my friends. BJPenn.com, the fighter's voice, everything you crave from the sport you love. We have got you covered, guys. So tonight's guest list, we kick things off with uh, former UFC lightweight champion and current Bellator MMA star Benson Henderson. Uh, It was announced that James Gallagher would not be able to compete at Bellator 196 in Budapest next weekend. Benson answered the call to save the card. He now faces another MMA veteran in Roger Huerta. We're going to preview the fight with Benson, discuss what he'd like to accomplish in 2018. We'll talk about the tough start he's had in his Bellator career thus far, how he still has title aspirations, refocusing on the lightweight division, And we'll also hear some very interesting stuff about how Benson feels we could fix judging in mixed martial arts. And our second guest of the evening, UFC featherweight Alex Caceres. Bruce Leroy, he's slated to face Artem Lobov at UFC 223 in Brooklyn, New York on April 7th. It's the biggest card of the year so far. We're all looking forward to it. We're going to get Alex's thoughts on Artem as an opponent, what this fight means for his career in the UFC. We'll hear about how he's managed to stay grounded in this era of trash talk. Uh, how he lives martial arts, not only as a profession, but as his way of life. And we'll also hear some cool stories about his time in Hawaii with BJ Penn. And our third guest of the evening is former UFC welterweight contender Rick Story. Story broke some news two weeks ago saying that he's parted ways with the UFC and he plans to compete in the inaugural Professional Fighters League tournament series. We'll hear about the timeline and the course of events that led Rick to leaving the UFC, what he thinks about this revolutionary undertaking with Professional Fighters League, the PFL, and we'll also talk about his future career plans in mixed martial arts. And it's only fitting that our fourth guest be the number four ranked bantamweight in the UFC, Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy will help us preview this upcoming fight in Utica, New York against Marlon Marias, at UFC Fight Night 131. Jimmy will give us his thoughts on the competition within the division and also the struggles he's gone through to finally get himself an opponent. We'll talk about his title aspirations, how he matches up against the current champ, and we'll also hear why Jimmy plans to make Marlon Marias pay for some stuff that Marlon's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, had said to Jimmy's wife apparently at a previous event. Next, we'll be joined by number six ranked welterweight in the UFC, a guy we've missed on the show quite a bit, and of course a guy that everybody's missed inside the octagon, Jorge Masvidal. 
Gamebred's going to give us an update on when he plans to return to competition, what caused this hiatus for him after the Wonder Boy fight at UFC 217. We'll get his reaction to several welterweights calling him out over the past week, including Darren Till and Kamara Usman. We'll talk about who he'd like to fight upon his return, the ongoing beef with Michael Bisping, Masvidal's recent work as an actor, pretty cool stuff, and a whole lot more. Always a great conversation with Gamebred. And closing out tonight's episode, we're joined by rising bantamweight Grand Prix champion and former UFC title challenger, Kyoji Horiguchi. Kyoji's manager, Fumihiko Ishii, Fumi, will be translating for us while we preview this upcoming showdown between Ian McCall and Kyoji. That's going to be at Ryzen 9 on May 6th in Japan, of course. We'll also discuss the resurgence of MMA in Japan and what Kyoji plans to accomplish this year. So there you have it, guys. Great episode. Another stacked one we're bringing to you at BJPen.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Let's get things started. We kick it off tonight with Benson Henderson. Penn Nation, please welcome to the show former UFC lightweight champion, current Bellator MMA star, and an all-around one of the nicest guys in the sport today, Benson Smooth Henderson. What's going on, Benson? How is life at the MMA lab today? Uh, it's going good, man. It's going good. Life is beautiful. Uh, just, you know, staying on the grind, trying to get better each and every single day, and uh, trying not to be such a fat kid at heart. <laughs> yeah, I understand you were just running the, the wife and kids some food, uh, obviously, you know, that time of day. How was how fatherhood, man? I know you're like one of the, uh, probably one of the best examples of a good father in this sport. You know, how, how appreciative are you of, of, of family life? It's everything. It's it's. I'm I'm biased. You know, I, we all have our different opinions, and I appreciate you know someone's opinion. They have a, a different opinion than my own. But family is you know your kids. Uh, that's that's what life is about. Like we all have a purpose in life. We all have this. We all have that. Like man, if family is not number one priority. Like I don't care what your job is. It doesn't care if you're a multi-million dollar making CEO. As good of a CEO as you are, you, you brought your company from number seven to the top, you know, whatever pharmaceutical company in the world, your number one priority should still be your family. That goes over, you know, anything else. Uh, so for me, uh, family is everything. I, I, my, my wife, my kids, the hard part, uh, what takes a little more, um, you know, effort on on me to, to be good, just as good of a fighter. You have to be. You have to be better with your time. I have to be more organized. I have to be more uh, punctual. I have to be more prepared so that I can pay full attention, and keep my priorities, my wife and my kids, my top priority. And then on top of that, right behind that is being the best and baddest man on the planet that I can be. Right, right, and you know that kind of segues into my first question perfectly. You know, it was announced two weeks ago that you'd be this late replacement headliner for Bellator 196, taking on Roger Huerta. I know you're a guy that's always in shape, but, you know, just having the past two weeks, I'd imagine it's been a mad dash to get ready for Hungary. Uh, not too much of a mad dash. Uh, you got, you know, some, some things to fine, fine tune up uh, as far as, like, your opponent. If you're fighting, you know, Marco Krokop, you know he has a big left high kick. You got to be ready for that. You got to prepare for that. Uh, but in general, being in shape, you know, if you don't get too fat, out of shape, 
you know, you don't need to do too much to get in shape. I'm in the gym all the time. I, I uh, a little bit harder for me because I have kids now, and they're like I said, you know, they're my top priority. But I have to be more prepared. Make sure I got the diaper bag good to go, and I got this, and I got this, and I'm ready for this. And I know they got swim class afterwards, and I got I need my training gear and this and that. So I got to be on my uh, P's and Q's, cross my T's, dot my eyes, right. all that stuff. But getting ready, I'm, like I said, I'm in the gym all the time, so not that much uh, prepared uh, to prepare for it to change up. Um, my card was there. I, they announced. They asked me about the fight two days later. You know, doing smart during sparring rounds. I did uh, three rounds. Uh, you know, not no problem, but no problem. Was able to push the pace for all three rounds against you know three three of our tough guys, training partners. Um, it's just fine tuning the details for. Oh, Roger does this. His last fight against the Southpaw. You know, every time the the he the, his opponent did this, Roger did this. Every time he switched stance, he does this. So just some of those uh, details. Is what you have to fine tune and, and hammer out, uh, getting ready for for fights. Right, absolutely. And like I said, I know you're a guy that's always in shape, so I didn't think the cardio or the weight or anything like that would be an issue. But in regards to game planning, it's kind of like a crash course at this point, right? Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, my I don't do video all too much, all too often. Uh, my coaches are the ones who uh, do that. My my head MMA coach, John Crouch, head stand up coach, head striking coach, uh, Eddie Cha. They're the ones, Eddie's the one who really, uh, you know, watches video over and over and over. And he, you know, oh, yeah, when he does this, he switches stance when he does this. And, you know, really gets the details of uh, tendencies and the holes that uh, Roger leaves open. Right. And I, I, I watch the film just one time just to get a feel for, for Roger, just to get to see how he moves. Uh, just watch him, get eyeballs on him. But that's pretty much uh, it for myself. But yeah, those, those like you said, the fine tuning, preparing for that specific opponent. If you bring some, you know, in particular uh, to the to the cage, I need, I need to be aware of. Um, that's something you definitely got to pay attention to. Definitely, definitely. So I'm sure Bellator is incredibly grateful for you doing this. You know, I think it lends itself to the fact that you've always been the kind of athlete that will take these kind of risks for the greater good. You know, a company man, if you will. I'm sure you'd agree with that statement. Yeah, I, that's one thing I actually always pride myself on is, is being a company man. You know, UFC or, or Bellator, they need this, they need that, short notice. Hey, we need you to go to Mexico, you know, tomorrow. All right, cool, let me uh, score some things away. Let me do this, let me do that. Let me, uh, you know, make sure my kids are taken care of. But, you know, trip to Mexico, short notice. Uh, you know, got to do some PR stuff this. Fight short notice. You need you know three rounds. You need five rounds. I got you. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm I can I can embrace that. I'm good to go. So I think that uh you know it's something that uh, the the companies can appreciate and uh, hopefully they, they show that appreciation. They have that appreciation uh, in the long term, not just you know momentarily. Right. Right. Well, definitely a scratch my back, a scratch your back kind of situation, but. Uh, this fight is a, a bit of a throwback matchup and one that could have happened many years ago. Give us your thoughts on Roger as an opponent and how you guys match up stylistically. Uh, as an opponent, I, I think he's uh, going to be a tough opponent. He's a, he's a gamer. He's one of those guys, you know, who's for sure uh, a gamer. He's not afraid to scrap, not afraid to throw down. I think it's both pretty similar stylistically wise, uh, wrestling background first. And then from there, you know, uh, branched off into, you know, pretty good stand-up game. Both wild, both, you know, throw hard, get after it. I'm actually really looking forward to finding a guy who I don't think is going to, uh, I, I think the game plan for how to beat me is to point fight me, you know, 
lot my some of my past opponents be losing these close decisions. I think the reason why is because they're not they're not turned up to 100 miles an hour. They they believe their best chance of winning against me, and I guess they're right, is to you know point get a point here, get a point there, get a point here, get a point there, and then leave it to the judges. Uh, that seems to be a, a pretty good game plan for those people. I, I don't think Roger's going to do that. I think Roger's going to bring it, uh, try and put me away. I'm going to bring, I'm going to put him away. Um, so I, I really love that stylistic wise. Uh, not find a guy who's going to be uh, super elusive or just trying to slow the pace down. Guy who purposely, you know, only throws twenty punches around. Like right. he's throwing twenty punches in the first one minute. I'm going to throw twenty punches in the first minute. You know, like the hard punches, not just kind of lazy feel them out stuff. So I really like fighting that kind of opponent. Uh, I'm looking forward towards it. Absolutely, man. You know, I I can't think of a Roger Huerta fight that was boring. That's for sure. So. I agree with you absolutely, but you know he's fought all over the world for pretty much every organization out there. He's had a rough few years in regards to his record, and you know some would say he's maybe on the tail end of his career. But what's your response to people discrediting him as an opponent uh, for a guy like you? And would you say he's even more of a risky matchup now that he has a chance to really make a statement against a guy like yourself? No, I say to the anybody who says uh, the tail end of your career and this and that. <laughs> I welcome them to, to get into the ring with him, get into the cage with him, and, and then see if they still say that afterwards, you know? Right. Uh, as fighters, we are much more aware. We're much more cognizant of someone's skill uh, and how good they are and the veteranship that they, they bring to the cage. Uh, so I know he's, he's, he's tough. I know he's going to bring it. I know he has a, a huge skill set that he's grown over the, over the years, you know, uh, chained in Thailand now for, for quite a while. So his skill set's pretty tough, pretty good. And, um, I think it's going to be a, a great, fun fight, you know? Like, it's going to be something that fans aren't going to want to miss. That is for damn sure, my friend. Now, tell us about the opportunity of fighting in Budapest. You know, you fought in Japan, Korea, Canada, of course, but this is a great opportunity for you to build up your fan base in Europe. I'm sorry, man. I need to say that one more time. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I was just saying, tell us about the opportunity of fighting in Budapest. Uh, you know, you fought in Japan, you fought in Korea, Canada, you know, but this is a, a really great chance for you to build up your fan base in Europe. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a great fun fight. I actually was scheduled to do a grappling match in Kazakhstan April 1st, but because of the fight, I wasn't able to do that. I was really excited to go to Kazakhstan. I started to learn about some of the culture, uh, some of the history of the country, so I was really excited to go out there. But sadly, I'm not going to be able to make that. Uh, but Budapest, I started looking up some of the history, uh, looking up some of the, the places to eat while, while I'm there, you know. <laughs> uh, so really excited about going out there and, and meeting the fans. I know uh, MMA is, is growing, is a huge global uh, growing sport. So I think the, being able to introduce myself to a new fan base out there, I think that'll be, uh, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be fun. You know? I think being able to see the sights and uh, after the fight, you know, being able to see the sights and, and just enjoy the experience. Um, I think it's always good, you know, to travel, to see the world and whatnot. Absolutely. Appreciate the culture and, and, and all of those things. But I'm wondering, when do you plan on flying out to Hungary? Uh, UFC was going to originally fly me out, like, or Belter was originally going to fly me out Monday, I believe, or, or Sunday. But I'm leaving a day or two early. I, I'm going to fly out there Saturday. I get there Sunday, I believe. I fly out Saturday night. I get there Sunday morning. Uh, just to have a little bit extra time to make sure my 
weight's on point and uh, just to get used to where I'm at, I like getting out to the venue to the arenas a little bit earlier than uh, most of the other guys. Right, you got to acclimate, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, moving on, in regards to your, your future in this sport and, and what you still want to accomplish, you know, you've said that you plan to refocus on the lightweight title. Uh, what do you think you'll need to do to get back into title contention in Bellator? How many wins or dominant performances is it going to take, in your opinion? I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, who knows? Uh, the way this crazy sport goes, sometimes with one win, guy gets a towel shot right away. Sometimes with uh, two losses, the guy gets a towel shot, and, you know, so it's weird how this sport works out. Um, all I know is I just need to win my next fight, and I need to get finishes, 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 finishes. Uh, I've been leaving too many fights uh, to the judges. Uh, you know, early in my career, I had a good you know streak of uh, winning a couple of decisions, close decisions too. I, I'm, I'm mad enough to admit when a decision is pretty close. Uh, Frankie number two, that was a pretty close one. You know, yeah. that, that was a close fight. I was glad I got glad I got my hand raised, but I know I'm, I'm aware. I'm mad enough to admit it was a close fight. Then we have those fights where uh, you know you think you got your hand raised, you think you did enough to get the decision, and then it feels like you know there's not just the, uh, your opponent in there against you, but those three judges are against you too, which is fine, which is which is just dandy. Uh, as far as you guys let me know ahead of time, hey. You know, you, you go fight, uh, you know, early in your career, whatever, you go fight somebody in his hometown, uh, and you know you're going to lose a decision if it goes that way, if yeah. it goes that route. No problem. Just let me know that. Just give me a heads up ahead of time. In Bellator, I'm not going to win any decisions. Cool. No problem. Done. I, I can accept <laughs> that. I'm mad enough to accept that challenge. Just let me know ahead of time, and I'll, I won't have any of my fights go to the decisions anymore. You know, if that's what it takes, sure, no problem. Just give me a heads up ahead of time that I'm not going to win any decisions. Yeah, I, I know you've said that that you know not only are you battling the guy across his cage from you, but but you're battling the judges as well. Uh, what if anything can you do to address this aside from chasing for the finish? I mean, refing, uh, uh, I'm sorry, judging is such a issue in this sport constantly. I mean, what do you think needs to change in order for us to solve this problem? Uh, I think it's one of the things, man. It's a hard job. It is a hard job to be a judge. It doesn't matter, like. There's so many different things that go into judging. Uh, you can sit right next to somebody, and they see something completely different than you. You know, like, oh, that was a sweet takedown. Oh, yeah, but they got taken out, but the guy popped up right away, and there's no damage done. Like, So, like, what do you what do you give weight to? Um, you know, who, who knows? I don't have a direct answer on, on what, you know, I need to do. But as a system, as a whole, I think it could possibly help if you give uh, fighters a heads up on who's going to judge their fight. And they can go back and look at that judge's history. Oh, this judge is a boxing judge. You know, he had the the Robbie Lawler and you know Carlos Condit fight going this direction, or he he weighed this fight by this. Do you see the past history of the judges? Yeah. And you can determine what you think they give weight to. Oh, this judge is a really good, uh, a big, really big jiu-jitsu fan, and he gives a lot of weight to jiu-jitsu guys who just kind of you know get on top and, and uh, you know play a, a, a top heavy game or. The, he gives weight to, to fighters who are on bottom and are really active in their guard. Uh, so as long as you give uh, fighters a heads up, I think that could maybe help the uh, the sport. Uh, it helps the fighters realize what they're what they need to do, what they go for. Because there's criteria, there's official criteria on board for judges, but every judge weighs things differently. One judge weighs a jab, 
very heavily because he loves a jab. Traditional boxer, oh yeah, the jab is the most important punch in the game, and jab this, jab that, and the other judge doesn't count, almost doesn't count jabs at all. Like, oh, those are so easy. There's no damage on them. The jabs aren't doing anything. But he loves body shots because he knows uh, he would say when he was, you know, uh, in MMA, and, and he feels like body shots are worth their ass. So he weighs body shots really heavily. So it's, it's a such such a hard thing to do. Um, and I don't think that any judges are necessarily like bad. I don't think there's a, you know, I think they, I, I truly think that most of the judges that I talk to, most of the judges I've had interaction with, they're trying to do their best job. They are trying to, they're trying to do their job as well as I'm trying to do my job, you know? Um, but all that being said, like, I feel as if in, in, inside Bellator, like, you know, I'm not going to win a decision to, to save my life. And if that's the case, so be it. I am, I am willing to accept that challenge. Yeah, you know, you make an interesting point there. I've uh, all the conversations I've had with people about judging, nobody's ever brought up the possibility of researching the judges that are going to be uh, scoring your fight. Uh, that's a very interesting take. You know, regarding the human condition and and what people are going to be uh, leaning towards in regards to you know techniques executed. But at the same time, I mean, does that that's kind of the problem, right? I mean, you, you don't want to have to do that at the end of the day. No, I think at the end of the day, you don't want to have to do that. You don't want to have to go to the judge's decision, you know. But at the same time, they can give you uh, awareness of what they are looking for. If you're playing a game and you don't know the rules, you don't know what someone's looking for, then hard to win that, you know. Like, not uh, not looking to go to the decision, not looking to um, be a boring fighter, not looking just to lay on top of a guy. But if you know the rules of the game, if you know what the, the game, the end point is, Oh, in this game, you want to collect gold stars. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> right, gonna, right, right. In this game, you want to go after the blue circles. Oh, okay, I'm going to go after the blue circles. Either way, you still want to get the knockout. You still want to get the submission. You still want to go for, you know, uh, the home run stuff and whatnot. But if you can be more aware of what you're after in uh, in these fights and, and knowing who's going to judge your fight can give fighters a heads up in that. Uh, just awareness, you know, I think uh, – uh, information is key, uh, all information. So I think that it could help fighters a lot. Uh, it could help uh, training camps a lot. It could help uh, even the judges, you know, uh, just so that they know uh, who they're going to be judging. They they know who they're going to be, uh, whose fight they're going to be watching. Yeah. You make a great point, man. I, that's honest, honestly an interesting take that, that I've never really heard, and uh, uh, I'm with you on that. But at the same time, I feel like, Judges should be competent enough for you to not have to worry about that. But it would definitely be a smart move for all of you athletes out there until something, you know, something gets figured out. Um, but well, it's, 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 the, it's the same way uh, where it stemmed from. For me, when I, when I first had the, the thought of it, I was watching a baseball game, and baseball players have statistics. The companies have statistics on on umpires on where they judge their strike zones. Like technically, a strike zone is you know very technical this is this is a strike zone but then every umpire has a different strike zone some umpires you know are a little more uh, looser with their strikes on the inside some some are a little more uh careful with the strikes being high or, or on the strike zone you know some stuff like that so i right. think that um that is something that the teams do on their own they pay attention like you know baseball has been around a long time and they have statistics for everything, you know. So I think it's super important, uh, good for the for the teams to be aware of that. And it helps their, their their pitchers out. It helps the, the batters out. Like right. the same thing for for MMA. It could be the same thing for MMA, you know. 
well, this analysis lends itself to, to how much of a thinker, thinker that, that you are, man. So uh, hats off to you on that. That's very cool stuff. But moving on here, I, I want to try to cover as much as I can without wasting too much of your time. Um, when you decided to, to move away from alterweight, that was no longer on your agenda. Is that completely off the table for you at this point? Uh, no, I wouldn't say Walter Ray's off my uh, agenda at all uh, at this point. I'm still definitely open to it, but I, um, I'm open to taking like, you know, one-time fights at Walter Ray, not really building myself up into fighting for the belt again. If, I, if that's the case, no problem. If I have a, take a fight at, at Walter Ray and I happen to get a, a big knockout or, or have a big win, a tough guy and it leads itself to, oh, well, how about we match up against this guy, Walter Ray? Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. No problem. But I'm definitely more focused on earning, uh, a title shot at 155 and doing whatever it takes to, to earn that 155 and to build wins uh, to to earn that uh, title shot at 155, you know. But right. One off at 170, no problem. I, I love that. I love fighting and not have to worry about my weight. I, I love fighting and not being right. obsessed with how many calories I'm taking in, how many milligrams of sodium I'm taking in, how many, how many grams of protein I, I have so far in the day, yeah. how many carbohydrates I'm going to take in right before practice. Like, I hate that stuff. So I think uh, 170 is awesome. Uh, I love that, but more though a one-off and not necessarily building myself into a, a title contention. Well, very good. Keeping your options open. So what do you make of this fight between uh, Brandon Gritz and Michael Chandler? Who are you picking, and who do you think has the better shot to beat Brent Primus, in your opinion? Uh, I think Brent Primus is uh, – I think, I think I want to date with him. Right. <laughs> let, me, let me start out with that. You know, everybody uh, – he has a big – Big target on his back, you know. Having having the belt, that's that's what it leads to. Uh, so that target, I, I see that target. I want that target also. Um, uh, Chandler or, or Gertz, I I think um, both will be a tough fight. I think Primus had a, a great game plan for for Chandler, and I don't see why he wouldn't have another great game plan if they if they have a, a rematch. Um, but I think that's sort of the way fighting goes. You know, it's 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 the nature of our sport. Um, leads itself to, to talk, to speculation, fans talking about this, fans talking about that, here, doing this interview, talking about those guys, I, I think it's great for the sport, it's great for Bellator, um, but I know I, I, I want I want a date with, uh, with Primus, I want to get my hands on him, I want, I want to get a shot at getting that belt around my waist. Absolutely, absolutely, I know you'd be very interested in facing any one of those three names, uh, in particular the champion, but I'm wondering, what would you do differently in a rematch with Chandler? Uh, Rio Chandler, I realized with Chandler, I already started a little bit earlier. I think he was a broken man. I think uh, he was uh, had quite enough, uh, you know. I think I, I didn't get started really until the, the second round, maybe the third round, and I started turning up. Okay, now we're going. Once he got tired enough to really start opening up, once, once he stopped um, being elusive and uh, just, uh, you know, doing more of the, the point scoring, one shot here, one, two here, one here, and then staying away, being elusive, kicking to keep me away. Once it turned into a fight fight, once it, once we started throwing down and just having fun, uh, I think he didn't like that a whole, whole lot. And uh, I, I know I, uh, whenever I do see him again, because I will see him again, I think I need to do that a little bit earlier. Yeah, for sure. I mean, another close fight, and again, it lends itself to the conversation earlier with the judges. Uh, so obviously you still have the title aspirations, and uh, I know you said that you plan to go out of MMA on your own terms with your head held high, I believe is how you put it. Uh, but do you plan on ending your career with Bellator? Uh, I'm not sure. I have two more fights on, on my Bellator contract, and we'll see how uh, negotiations go after that. You know, I think uh, 
uh, that's what it's all about. Just, right. Uh, contract negotiations. I have, uh, you know, two more fights left, and, and we'll see where the, where the, where the what cards fall after that. For sure, for sure. And you're definitely a guy with a lot of options, but, of course, the company's uh, pretty good to all the fighters involved. So uh, just something I was, I was curious about. But um, changing gears here for a moment. I was wondering if you'd give us your thoughts on the Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, are you a fan of the tournament format, and who are you picking to win all, all of it? Uh, I am a, a, a decent fan of the, the t- tournament format. I think it leads itself to, again, just speculation. People talking about getting excited for it, the potential matchups, the, the matchups, uh, who could win here, who could win there, dream matchups, that sort of stuff. I think, I think it's uh, smart for Bellator to do a, a tournament format. I am super excited for it. Some of the big names. I'm a huge uh, Frank Mir fan. I'm a huge uh, Fedor fan. I'm a huge Matt Mitrione fan. Matt, uh, you know, Meathead's one of my boys. You know, Frank's one of my boys. So I think it's great. You know, Roy Nelson, uh, huge fan of his. He's one of my boys. So I, I'm, you know, I'm as much of a fan when it comes to that as, as anybody else is. And uh, no, no favorite to win? You just kind of like like the situation? Uh, yeah, no, no, no favorite to win. I, I'd be doing a disservice to any of my other boys. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> right. Pick, pick a guy, you know, uh, I'd be doing a disservice to one of my other guys. I will say, you know, let the best man win. Hopefully there are no injuries. Right. Let the best man, you know, that's, that's the only thing you can really hope for, uh, altogether. For sure. For sure. And, uh, I know Frank Mir and Fedor, I mean, that's a match that could have happened a, a decade ago. So very excited for that. But, all right, Benson, you've been more than generous with your time here. Just a couple more questions. Uh, realistically, how many times would you like to compete in 2018? Uh, realistically, uh, every two months. It's already, what, March, fighting April. Give me a fight in April, May, June. June, July, August, I'll take a fight. August, uh, September, uh, October, give me a fight. October, November, December, give me a fight. So, uh, I want to fight as much as possible. I'm... Uh, most of my fights, I tend to not get too injured, too beat up. Uh, no one's throwing me a whooping, you know. Uh, besides Rondé Korshop, my boy threw me a whooping. I was beat up. I was sore afterwards. But <laughs> other than that, I haven't really been beat up in too many of my fights. None of my fights have I been too beat up afterwards. I tend to do GC tournaments and competitions uh, the week after my fights because uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm you know, I'm not that beat up. I'm, I'm not that sore at all. Uh, so I want to stay active. I want to stay busy. I have a, a short time left in which I, I can do this, so I, I want to keep it busy. I want to keep it action-packed. Now, if all goes to plan in Budapest, uh, what would you want next? And is it unreasonable for us to think that you could be fighting for a title before the end of the year? Uh, after Budapest, I, I know uh, Belder has, has a, a show uh, in St. Louis, and uh, if anybody gets hurt, Brandon Gertz gets hurt in uh, St. Louis, I'll be ready to go for that. Okay, very good. And in conclusion, how do you visualize this fight playing out with Roger? What's your prediction if you have one? And tell all the fans why this is a matchup they do not want to miss. Uh, anybody who's ever seen Roger work to fight, anybody who's ever seen me to fight, you guys know why you don't want to miss this one. You know, put us in the cage together. Um, my prediction is going to be my hand raised with a stoppage. I don't care with a submission, knockout, shoot. He could kick me and I could, you know, break his shin bone on my kneecap, I will take that too. That's a stoppage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Doesn't happen very often, but I will take it any way I can get it. You know, I'm after a stoppage. Okay, very good. Greatly appreciate the time today, Benson. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Best of luck in Budapest. I hope we can catch up again soon. Any shout-outs or sponsor plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? 
Uh, no, just to all the fans, uh, like always, you know, the fans are who give you the sponsor. The fans are who, who the reason why, uh, you know, the organizations put you on, get you fights because they know you're a fan favorite. And that sort of stuff says to all the fans who've been sort of supporting me over the years. Thank you guys so much for your support and uh, keep riding with me. I only got a short time left and I'm trying to keep that short time at 100 miles an hour uh, as much as possible. So just thanks for everything. Uh, sponsors, Everlast, Zebra Match. Thank you guys for being all stars, for being awesome, for being just good companies, great companies to represent. Uh, when, I, when I put a company uh, on my shoulders, when I, when I rep you guys, I love having uh, good companies I can represent. So, you know, thanks to Everlast and to Zebra Match. All right, very good. Uh, again, looking forward to the fight and all the future has in store for you. Uh, you've had a great career, and I, I look forward to all that you still have yet to accomplish. Thanks again for the time this afternoon, this evening. Uh, have a great day, man. Uh, you too, man. Have a great day. Thanks. All right. Later. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with the smooth one they call Benson Henderson. We certainly enjoyed having him on the show for the first time. Very much looking forward to this fight with Roger Huerta. You heard him talk about it. It's impossible that that fight can be boring. Also, some very cool stuff that he was talking about in regards to fixing the judging problem in MMA. Interesting perspective. I've never heard anything like that. Very cool stuff. But we'll keep it rolling. Coming up next, second guest of the evening, UFC featherweight set to take on Artem Lobov at UFC 223 in just over a week. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Bruce Leroy himself, Alex Caceres. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show UFC featherweight and one of MMA's best personalities, in my humble opinion, Bruce Leroy himself, Alex Caceres. What's going on, Alex? How is life in Arizona today? Uh, everything's good right now, you know, waking up, brewing some coffee. I know it's in the afternoon, but we know we're doing it like this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you got you to take advantage of the weekends, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> So you going to be in the MMA lab today? You got a training go- session going on maybe in the afternoon? Oh, no, not Sundays. Sundays are I, off. I, I'll probably do a little conditioning uh, myself at home. Um, I got a lot of housework to do, so catching up with life. Oh, man, housework. That's that's always fun. Oh, it is. It is, though. You know, you put on some, like, ancient Chinese music, wash the dishes, stretch while you do it. I'll have to try that one, Ancient Chinese. I know for me, I like to listen to a lot of like big band and whatnot when I'm doing stuff around the house, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, right? So listen, man, we, we've got this fight that's been announced. Uh, very exciting matchup. Artem Lobov, it's at UFC 223 in Brooklyn, New York, just a few weeks away, two weeks from now, actually. How has your training camp been so far? Training, training camp's been great. You know, nothing to complain about. I don't in great shape. I feel like I'm performing really well, feeling sharp. I'm ready to go, honestly. What was your initial reaction when this fight was offered to you? Are you excited to compete against a guy like Artem? Uh, my initial reaction was to find out who Artem was and then um, just be excited as I am with every fight. Right, okay, so you were unfamiliar with Art- Artem until they offered you this bout. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with most fighters. I don't I don't watch the sport at all. So it's just, I really don't keep up with the stuff. You know, I find out about them once they sign the papers. Interesting. Now, is that like a personal doctrine of yours or just a personality thing? Why don't you watch fights? 
boring to me, honestly. <laughs> I don't like to watch it. I don't like watching sports either. I like I like doing sports. I like I like training all the time, you know. But I don't know. I just I can't get into it. I just can't. That's an interesting answer. I don't think I've ever heard a fighter say that. <laughs> That's cool stuff, though, man. Like I said, it goes along with uh, you being one of the coolest personalities in the sport. But uh, give us your thoughts on Artem as an opponent from you know what you've seen so far and. How do you think you guys are going to match up stylistically? I think my style, uh, I think my style is really will match up really well against him. You know, um, he's a strong, he's a tough opponent. I mean, he has a hard punch, but uh, I think I might be just a little bit too rangy and quick on the feet. You know, so I think for me, this is a great matchup. Now, when I spoke to Artem last week, uh, it seemed to be a the big thing for him was your unorthodox style. Would you agree that the unpredictability and, you know, your way of movement makes you a really difficult guy to prepare for? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure, because uh, to be honest, I don't even know sometimes what the fuck I'm going to do, so <laughs> I, I doubt it will either. Right, right. So, and that's kind of been your your thing all along, right, is is to really embrace, embrace that style of unpredictability and uh, you say it there, you don't know what you're going to do yourself in the fight. How does that transition into game planning for you? Well, you know, I just have, like, a, I guess, generalized concepts of what I want to, of, of how I want to be in the fight. I guess, per se, in this fight, I would like to utilize my, my length and my speed and agility as much as possible in this fight. And then, so, all the moves that will come out of me naturally will, will, will kind of, uh, how would you say, orbit around that concept of being agile, being long, being loose, and, and uh, just quick, you know? So for you, it sounds like, uh, and throughout your career, it's it's never really been about preparing for a specific opponent. It's more about uh, preparing yourself to, to do the unpredictable things that, that you want to accomplish inside the cage. Well, it's, um, it's more like I'm preparing myself just for the world as a student of life, you know, I just want to be, you know, as versatile as possible. I want to keep being able to grow and keep flowing on. So uh, I try not to limit myself. I try not to think about winning or losing too much, but instead I rather just have that great performance. I want to know that every time I got in there, I've gotten a little bit better every time I step inside that cage. So for me, it's more of a personal journey of self-growth. Don't get me wrong. I'm going in there to win, and I'm gonna, and it's gonna be very difficult for my opponents every time I get in there. And I'm not gonna ever back down from those fights. But at the end of the day, um, it's not about him. It's not about the UFC. It's not about the fight. It's about just growing as a person, just finding and expressing myself completely and wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think that's been pretty evident uh, throughout everybody that's you know gotten to know you over the years that. Uh, this is more of a, a personal journey thing, and martial arts is just a, a way of life for you. So, but that being said, you know, you talk about wanting to win, and uh, you know, it might it might not be the most important thing for you, but the need to win as well. In regards to the importance of this fight for both of you guys, you know, I spoke to Artem about this as well. Uh, but how does it feel for you with the future of the UFC? Is your future in the company on you know on the line in this bout? Uh, I don't feel that way, honestly, you know, um, I, I, I really don't get that too much thought, to be honest with you, um, I don't feel like it's a, it's like one of those make or break me fights, I, ne- I never think it is, 
you know, I never tried to think about that. Really, it's, like, uh, like I said, uh, I, I said this before, you know, um, however anybody else might feel, whether UFC might feel differently or about that, um, to me, I am in love with martial arts. It's, that is my lifestyle. UFC fighting is not a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a goal of mine. It's not a, how would you say, a dream of mine either, you know. I, I just so happen to find the highest echelon of mixed martial arts. But other than that, martial arts itself is my lifestyle. So whether I'm doing it in the backyard, in the streets, or whether I'm doing it in, in the biggest stage of the world, I will still be doing it. I just, I'm in love with the, I'm in love with the, the art of it. Whether I do it at home, whether I teach it, whether I actually compete or not, um, it's, I, I just wish to keep on, keeping on in this um, artistic expression of mine. So I really don't give that too much thought. But I mean, um, I guess if he feels that way, I guess the pressure's on him, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I, that's what I was going to say, you know, added pressure. If you're not taking any of that into consideration, and like you're saying, this is just kind of a, a flowing thing for you, there is no added pressure at all in regards to job security for you. No, no. And, you know, at the end of the day, I've been with the UFC for, for a decade. So pretty much my whole career. I can't complain, you know. I, 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 I've, I've done a lot of what I needed to do. I still got a lot of what I need to do. I'm not taking this fight lightly at all. I'm not taking it. Um, I'm, I'm not letting this guy win. You know, he's not going to beat me in any way, shape, or form. That's the way that I feel about it, honestly, personally. But whatever happens, the unpredictable happens. If the worst comes the worst, um, <laughs> like I know I'm not going to be out of uh, shit out of luck. You know, I, I always have different things to do. But other than that, you know, I don't, I don't have a doubt in my mind. I'm stick with the UFC for a while. Right, right. So aside from fighting, I mean, if, if that ever was to be the case, like you're saying, worst case scenario, I mean, do you would you like to be in competition if it was to be outside of the UFC? I mean, I know you say that martial arts is a way of life and you'll always be doing this regardless, but is competition your, your, your job at this point? Well, well, yeah, while my, while my body's young and vital, you know, um, I would like to compete and, and, and push it to the limits. You know, uh, there's only a there, there's only that small window of youth that we have to really put ourselves out there and compete. So um, I want to make the most of it, of course. And if I can do it in the highest stage of fighting, then, you know, we'll be it. But uh, other than that, as of now, yeah, I still want to compete just because I still feel like I have a lot to learn about myself in the competition aspect of martial arts. Now, for me, for me personally, man, a guy like you is so valuable in this era of trash talk that we seem to be in right now. What keeps you so grounded as a martial artist? And talk to us about, you know, living that Bushido code on a day-to-day basis that's kind of fallen wayside with so many fighters uh, in recent years. Well, um, I guess what keeps me grounded is, uh, it's hard to say, you know, a lot of different things, honestly. Um, um, A lot of practices that I do as well. Um, I'm an artist at heart, so just just to love just the love of the fact that I'm able to do something that most people can't do or are not willing to do keeps me happy you know it keeps me um how would you say uh, what's that word appreciative of right. the fact that I'm able to wake up every day and be mobile and not only mobile but also expressive in such a way that most people can only dream of and I I'm, I'm not gonna give it up I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play it short I mean a lot of a lot of us 
don't have the chance to wake up and breathe the next morning or let alone walk or hear or see or move, you know, correctly without pain and stuff. And man, I, I, I think it's a blessing to wake up every day and it's a brand new day to be something new, to be something great, to be something incredible. Um, I just love, I guess the love of life, you know, helps me in that preservation of life. And I just, I, I don't want to give it up, just not yet. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I guess the fact that, you know, that I'm alive, you know, it's right, right. you know, the, the fact that I wake up and I'm able to do what I love to do. And it's a dream job, you know, so I can't complain, to be honest with you. There's nothing really to complain about, although I do still complain at time to time that things don't go my way and whatnot, but I don't like to dwell on such things because at the end of the day, I'm alive. I have people that love me. And I can go out there and do it all over again. And I'm not afraid to start from the bottom and build those blocks right back up. Right, right. And, and you know, given this this awesome code that you live by, when you look at this era of trash talk that, that we're in, does, does that stuff bother you? I mean, do you understand? Obviously, we all understand the promotional side of things. But, I mean, does this era of trash talk, like, bother you coming from the walk of life that you do? Well, I mean, it's to me, like... Honestly, no, because it's not me that's doing it, you know? <laughs> right, right. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me. It has nothing to do with me. Even if they trash talk about me, it's just um, inconsistencies within themselves that they're dealing with, you know, to make themselves feel bigger than what they are, usually. And, you know, whether it's an ego thing, whether it's a way to make them feel a little bit uh, macho with some false machismo, then, you know, it's all on them, to be honest with you. Um because the reality of the fact, you know, a lot of people can say a lot of things, you know, especially like, you know, when you get fans, oh, he sucks, oh, fuck this guy, you know, this guy's not a great fighter, and this and that, but like, you know, you gotta really look logically and be like, well, who's saying this? One, right. it's not a fighter. Two, it's a guy that, you know, that, that like, well, what has he done with his life? What kind of victories has he scored for humanity at, at that? So, I mean, when you look at really who is speaking, there, it, it doesn't, it, I mean, it takes a lot off, it takes a lot of the edge off the blow from the ridicule that they try to deliver to you. And whether it's another fighter saying that this guy's scared or this guy and they're trying to, like, punk you, well, like, if I was scared, I would never sign the papers, and that's the reality of the fact. So how right. does this affect me? How <laughs> lies and, you know, trash talking, because that's what it is, trash talking, how can it really affect me if it isn't true? You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds to me like, while, while none of it affects you, I just miss those days where there was a lot more respect and the martial way in, in this sport. Uh, I mean, do, do you feel reminiscent of that? Do you wish maybe we could get back to the old school guard of, of mixed martial arts? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean that that's ideal, of course. That, I, that's why I love fighting in Japan. Right. You know, there was there's so much respect from the fans and from the, the fighters there as well. But, um, yeah, th that would be ideal. But at the end of the day, um, you can't stop the, how would you say, the media train, you know? <laughs> right, right. The media People train. People are always hopping on bad bandwagons. They're always, you know, getting along with the next fad. And so far, you know, they they make um, an unhealthy competition of capitalism, in especially in the United States, in every sport that there is. I mean, like, look at basketball or football. You have, like, these high-level, top-of-the-line athletes putting their fucking lives on the lines and health on the lines every day, but you still got some drunk guy that's 
a nobody, you know, trash talking this guy that's really going out there, whether he's on the opposite team or not, for your entertainment. I mean, you got to have some type of respect for that. But if you can't find that respect in, for them, then I think it's a lack of respect for themselves. That's all it is. Yeah, you make a great point there, man. I mean, I that, that kind of goes along with like the way I feel about uh, uh, analysts and fans and everybody being so critical of guys in their last performance or a mistake they made. And it's like, at the end of the day, are you going out there to do this for people's entertainment, man? Like you said, to put your health on the line. You know, it's not right to, to, to try to be critical like that when you have no dog in the fight, so to speak. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, I, I forgot what the quote was. It's like, you can't judge people because everybody's fighting a battle that you cannot see. Right. You know, and especially have these guys that are performing at the highest level of physical ability, there is not only just physical tolls, but mental anguish and spiritual tolls that they have to pay as well. You know, a lot of sacrifices they have to make. So it's how, like, how dare you, like, criticize somebody that's going out there to make you happy, you know, whether he's on your team or not, that you're cheering for, but they're literally going out there for your entertainment. There, there should be some type of respect, some type of, like, wow, I can't believe, you know, like, these guys had the, the testicular fortitude, the guts to get out there and perform in a level that I couldn't possibly imagine. Right. I have nothing but respect for it. Absolutely, you know, and, and instead those people are... There, I couldn't do what I love to do. Right, right. And instead those people are keyboard warriors or, like you said, the drunk guy screaming from the stands, but anyway... But even some of the fighters, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true, too, man. That's true, too. And I want to make it, like, personal when it isn't a personal thing. Yeah, I agree with you, man, 100%. But listen, getting back to April 7th, you know, I know you've competed all over the world and in all kinds of venues, but... Give us your thoughts on competing in Brooklyn on one of the biggest cards cards of the year. Uh, you must be pretty excited for this show. Well, I'm very excited. Um, get to compete in Brooklyn. Been in New York, been to Manhattan before um, once, um, but Brooklyn, you know, it's, sounds like a good place. I know there's like a, a huge Dominican fan base out there. You know, me being half Dominican, um, I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of love out there. So it's uh, it, it, it I don't know. It's, it's gonna be really fun, man. I can't wait. It's really up my alley. Absolutely. Uh, aside from your own fight, what fight are you most looking forward to, and uh, who are you picking in the main event? Um, I I really um, haven't looked at the other fights. I know that Rose and Joanne are fighting again, yeah. And because that's my fiance's favorite fighter, Rose. <laughs> so she's got I'll good taste. Win that fight. Too. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, she's definitely got good taste. Oh, uh, yeah, I, and I should have thought of that. You're just telling me you don't watch fights. I'm asking you which one you're looking forward to most. That's kind of silly. But uh, <laughs> So, changing gears here. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's common. <laughs> right. <laughs> changing gears here for a moment. I was told to ask you about your time in Hawaii with uh, BJ. Uh, you stayed in uh, YPO Valley. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I stayed in YPO Valley, um, it was really cool, man. I loved, I loved, uh, BJ was really cool. Everybody that, you know, like, it seemed like BJ knew the whole town, you know, there was no internet, you know, it was, it was really nice to really separate yourselves from there. We had to, like, go down, like, one of the steepest, uh, roads in, in the, I guess, in all the states in America and stuff. And it was, like, just really going down straight downhill, have the crossover with the Jeep, like, three, four rivers just to get to his little farmhouse where he grew his uh, taro and trained out there. 
it was it was a really nice experience. I loved it out there. Yeah, they were telling me no cell phone service, little hideaway in the islands. Uh, you know, and based on what I was told, you know, it sounds like a really spiritual kind of place. I'm guessing that's accurate. It's a nice place to, you know, go and, and be one with yourself and nature, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. He lived right, literally, like, just right down the river from, like, a black sanded beach and everything. Wow. Beautiful stuff. All right, listen, Alex, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, regardless of what's at stake for this fight, uh, when do you think... What do you think you'd like to accomplish in, in 2018, and uh, how many times do you think you'd like to compete this year? Uh, I don't know. As, um, as many times as, as, as I can compete, that would be, be awesome. Um, I am working on trying to um, get in, break into the, the, the martial arts filming industry. Um, so I got a couple irons brewing in the pot there. I'm really excited about some of the opportunities I was given, so... Um, um, it looks like a it looks like a good year for me. I got to tell you, man, that's one thing that is obviously a, a no brainer for you would be the martial arts film industry. Uh, is this going to be your first attempt at, at, at acting and 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 stunt work? Uh, yeah, you know, like I, I play around, like 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 um, me and my sister. She's my media person. Like we play around and we like. We, we, we do, like, little, like, skits and whatnot. I, I, I think I might have some on my YouTube channel. Um, but um, I, it, it's, it's something that I used to, that, that I like doing. I used to do a lot a lot of stuff in high school as well. Um, so it's something that, like, it's def- something that's definitely been in the back of my mind that I really love to do or try to do. Um, but just, I, I just um, got an opportunity, um, how would you say, to be in a... Into in in a couple martial arts films from from some uh, from some good directors and stuff. So like I'm just hoping that everything falls through, and then I believe we're I should start filming after this fight in April. Cool. So is it just like cameo work, or do you have a spoken role, or? Um, I'm not I'm not entirely sure of the role uh, of what I'll be doing in the role. I know there will be some. Uh, some action, some action shots, you know, they want to, uh, like, I think there's like a fight scene that they want them to be in and whatnot, right. but it is a, a, I don't want to give out too much detail, but like it to be a surprise, but it is a very well-known movie coming out. Cool. Cool. Looking forward to it, man. Like I said, you're a, you're a no brainer for that kind of work. And obviously everything that you live by, I mean, it would be awesome to see you, uh, break into film, martial arts film in particular. Very cool stuff. You'd be a perfect character for it. But uh, getting back to the fight, man, how do you visualize this fight playing out? What's your prediction if you have one? Um, there's so many ways, you know, that I envisioned it. You know, um, I'm looking up. I'm looking either a unanimous decision, just you know, putting the clinic on, or you know, or an early early submission. So many, so many ways the fight can go, um, but I do definitely see it going my way every time. All right, very good. And in conclusion, tell all the Bruce Leroy fans out there what they can expect on April 7th. All right, every, all my fans out there on April 7th, uh, you can always expect the same what you get from me, some high-flying action and some things you've never seen before. <laughs> all right, brother. And any, uh, any shout-outs to sponsors or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Uh, I'd like to thank Human Weapon for helping me out. Um, definitely, definitely MMA Lab for helping me out with this camp. 
They're always a good team to work with. You know, thank all my family at home, all my friends back in Miami. Uh, other than that, thank my coaches from Florida as well, Manuel Lopez. Always love them. Um, you know, just everybody that's always been there for me, man. If I'm missing any names, I'm sorry. All right, there's a ton to go through always. Listen, greatly appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Looking forward to the fight. All the future has in store for you, man, especially the possibility of, uh, of an acting career as well. Uh, like I said, one of the best personalities in the sport. Best of, light on, best of luck uh, with the fight in Brooklyn, and hopefully we can catch up again soon. All right, thank you very much, man. All right, brother. Later. Peace. I got to be honest, I was thrown off when he told me that he's never seen Artem compete until he's had to study the tape for this fight and that he doesn't watch fights. But nonetheless, that lends himself to the kind of character that he is. A very cool one in this sport. Lives that martial way that we're always talking about on this show. And it was a pleasure to speak with him. Very much looking forward to this fight coming up at UFC 223. Alas, let's keep it moving. Our third guest of the evening, former UFC welterweight contender, Rick the Horror Story. We're going to chat with him about the decision to leave the UFC, signing with the Professional Fighters League. We'll get a breakdown of how this all played out and what it means for the rest of his career. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next, Rick the Horror Story. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show former UFC welterweight powerhouse and a veteran of that organization, now set to compete in Professional Fighters League, a man with one of the best nicknames in the sport, Rick the Horror Story. What's going on, Rick? Where are you calling us from today, man? Uh, I'm from Vancouver, Washington, and thanks for having me on your show. Uh, it's a pleasure, my friend. Uh, so it's been a while since we've seen you in action. Uh, you made a big announcement a couple weeks ago that you'd be headed over to the PFL. First things first, tell us about the time away from competition. I know you had the tooth issue and uh, decided to work as a firefighter, correct? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I did have a tooth issue, and there was uh, no motivation to get touched in the teeth because they were so sensitive. Right. And uh, I was in between contracts since I let my last contract run out, so... I uh, used that opportunity to start to pursue firefighting. Um, I haven't actually like, gotten on with any department or anything. I'm just kind of in the process. So currently right now I'm doing a volunteer firefighter academy for my fire science one and two with Clark County. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm at. So I'm, I'm not too familiar with it. I have a buddy who, who was a, a volunteer for a while, but how long, how long do you have to do the volunteer stuff before you can actually get onto a, into a station as a full-time guy? Well, you still have to go through like the same procedures, like no matter what, it just, it makes you a little bit more desirable if you have prior training. Right. So, so even though I'm doing the volunteer Academy, um, I mean, essentially with Clark County, if I do everything right, it'll give me uh, a higher bump in points or recognition uh, from the other parts. So if I were to do a written test and score a little bit lower, and if I were to do the physical agility and be a little bit slower, if I did the Volunteer Academy, it would it would kind of bump those deficits up to more even, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So all this stuff was going on during contract negotiations, as you mentioned. Uh, did you feel like at any point that you were going to walk away from competition entirely? Uh, you know, it it crossed my mind. Um, but at the same time, 
I knew that another opportunity would, would come to or become available. So uh, I just needed to start something that gave me retirement or working towards something for retirement because there's no retirement in fighting. Right. So I just need to I need to look out for my future as opposed to um you know a different or a fighting organization to keep paying my bills. So Right, you got to plan ahead. You have to plan ahead yeah. and think of life outside of fighting after this is all said and done, but could you walk us through the timeline of how this all played out? The UFC offered you a contract extension if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so before the Cerrone fight, I was on a three-fight win streak, and then uh, they come at me with an offer beforehand, and um, I, I really didn't feel that it was that fair because uh, guys that I've beaten were getting paid a lot more than I was, almost almost double with some of them, and I was just going to hold out, and if I beat Cerrone, then I'd be able to negotiate a little bit tougher, and didn't work out the way I wanted it but at the same time um, it was kind of it was kind of nice not having a fight lined up ahead or uh, fights on a contract that I would have to fight out and know that uh, I wouldn't be able to like pursue something else so I mean for me it just it was kind of like a little bit of a relief at the time and then as time went on and my teeth began to feel a little bit better uh the desire to get in and fight like started coming back pretty fast yeah i can only imagine uh, especially a competitor you know being a competitor as long as you have uh, i'm wondering though did the direction the ufc has been headed with the wme purchase did that affect your decision making at all with this no not really um i mean it, it does kind of seem like the fires become pawns like in a chess game, just uh, uh, there's so many so many people cycling through. Um, nobody can really. It, it's hard for fans to really follow fighters just because there's a huge volume of them yeah. and cycling in and out. So um, it's not it's not really. I mean, either way, it's like I'd be getting paid, so it's more of more of a paycheck as opposed to a passion. Yeah. It's kind of kind of the way it like leaves the taste in your mouth because before before it was like oh yeah I want to be the best in the world but as you get older and there's like politics and if you have more Twitter followers you get a shot before someone else that is fighting tough you know I, I just it's kind of over it yeah. Well, I know politics is a, is a big issue that's come up in recent years, and then uh, as you're talking about volume of fighters, I know oversaturation uh, of the sport has also become a bit of an issue as well. But um, you know, considering the lengthy history with the UFC, always going out there putting on a great show, I'm a little surprised that they didn't do more to keep you. Uh, what would the I- ideal scenario have been for you? Well, um, I mean, the ideal scenario would be just getting paid or getting compensated for what I felt I was worth. And it didn't have to be as much as the guys that I beat, but more than what they were offering. Yeah. So, I mean, I just felt like I was expendable and it didn't really make a difference in their eyes, whether I stayed or left. So, uh, I mean, it's a business and granted, I don't do a lot of social media stuff. 
Um, I don't like I don't like posting a lot of my personal activities and have people like know exactly what I'm doing. Right. I know I need to get over it, but it's just kind of the way I am. No, it's completely understandable. Some people aren't cut out for that kind of uh, you know side promotional uh, aspect of the sport. In reality, you know your fights speak for themselves. You always went out there and put on entertaining bouts for all the fans watching. Uh, so again, I mean, it just comes to me as a surprise when you always hear, uh, Dana in particular talk about, oh, well, if you go out there and you leave it all, uh, leave it all on the line and fight your heart out, you'll always have a place in this company. But, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate to think that, uh, that a guy of your caliber having all the awesome fights that you did, uh, that they, that they wouldn't have done more. So, yeah, I mean, I still had a spot and, uh, it wasn't taken away. So his, his word held true, true, but true. at the same time, it's like I need to look out for myself as opposed to uh, a business that I'm fighting for. So absolutely, uh, I, I have to start putting me as number one, especially now. Absolutely. Now, during all this negotiation stuff before you ended up with Professional Fighters League, did you have a lot of other offers on the table? Uh, there were a few intermittent, uh, but at that time, I was just like, uh, just keep, keep seeing what's out there to my management and... Um, when something something pops up that is isn't refusable, you know, I'll probably take it. Yeah. So uh, when the when the first offers did come up, I was like in a situation where I I did not even want to get punched in the face at all because of my teeth. So um, it's actually pretty good timing that this PFL contract came available. Now with the PFL, what Ray Sefo is doing over there, what those guys are attempting, could change the game if all goes according to plan. Tell us about the decision to sign with them. Uh, well, I mean, for one, the ability to get compensated for your performance, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Like them going in the tournament format and then you're, you win, you advance. And, you know, the, the million-dollar grand prize is uh, pretty motivational. So I'm, I'm thinking about time frame and the money to be able to – be made in that time frame is a huge motivational factor for sure you know this tournament format the pay system it could be very revolutionary uh it's a revolutionary idea that's for sure uh and i'd imagine that the chance to win a million dollars at the end of it that played the majority factor for you yeah just because you know i'm not getting any younger yeah so uh, i just i need to capitalize while i can Absolutely, and you're talking about the politics of matchmaking. The, the tournament format eliminates that, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, they have yet to announce the, the full roster, but give us your thoughts on the level of competition you'll be facing over there and how confident are you that that, that you'll make make it to the championship for this inaugural season? You know, honestly, I have no clue who's in the tournament with me. So, or in the season with me, I'd say, not tournament. But, yeah. As far as the competition, I mean, I don't really care who who's in there. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go in and be able to perform at my best ability. And if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. But, um, I mean, my track record is going to be a good fight no matter what. <laughs> that, that is for damn sure, man. Uh, now, everybody that's fought for the World Series of Fighting... Uh, they all appreciated the company in regards to taking care of the fighters. Yeah, at least everybody I talk to anyway. Ray Sefo being a legend himself, that obviously plays a big factor into, into how the company was run. But, uh, you know, given that you're still working with guys like Ray, did you initially feel that level of comfort in, in dealing with the team? 
Well, honestly, um, me personally, I haven't really dealt with them that much. It's been my management. So um, the the middleman, you'd probably have to ask my management. True, 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 true. <laughs> but but for the most part, um, everything that's been like brought to me through my management, um, you know, it seems seems like pretty good. Now, one concern I hear is that the World Series of Fighting, you know, it was not doing well financially. And while this is a new and, and, and exciting undertaking here, uh, there's a lot of questions about the financial side of it. Are you at all uh, uh, worried about running into compensation issues? Uh, I mean, it hasn't crossed my mind. Um, I'm trusting my management on on that front um, because he's just like, well, it's like this is available and – I mean, it's going to work for one season at least. So, I mean, I just trusted him. Now, how how is that, if you're not at liberty to talk about it, but how does that work contractually for you? Are you just contracted to the, the one season or is it multiple seasons? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what I'm wanted or what I was told to be able to disclose. So, I, Fair enough. I'm going to keep that on wraps. Fair enough. Uh, now, do you expect to see more names, big names, joining this league, considering everything we've talked about with the with the ability to make some big money here uh, as this opening tournament gets closer? You know, um, I mean, after the first season, I'm sure it'll probably open a lot of fighters' eyes. Just because, I mean, if you get these guys that are in getting like six and seven fight win streaks and not getting a title shot, um, I mean, that's kind of unheard of, but... Um, if they're able to do the same amount of work or even less work and make maybe two or three times the amount that they were making, I mean, I'm sure it's going to wake a lot of people up. For sure, for sure. And again, I think that uh, if, if all goes to plan here, you could really see this format change the game. Uh, but listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple uh, couple more questions here for you. Changing gears for a moment, you know, as we've discussed, uh, you intend on, on winning this whole thing starting in June and becoming the champ, but what are you still hoping to accomplish in mixed martial arts? Well, honestly, um, I mean, just putting on entertaining fights and winning as much money as I can. That's that's it. Yeah. Just maximizing the paycheck while you still can, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like uh, I'm competitive and I'm obviously going to want to win. And... Um, with this format, you know, you, you win, you'd be a tournament winner and then, uh, go from there. So, um, I don't really know. I mean, in the UFC, it's like, you're always working towards like being a world champion, but through this league, it's just win the tournament and make a lot of money. <laughs> right. right. Well, <laughs> well, like you said, like you said, I think once, once maybe this first season gets underway and gets completed, uh, it'll, like you said, open a lot of eyes. So, uh, again, the potential is there, and I think it is a brilliant idea, and, and I hope that this thing works out. Um, I'm sure you still feel as though you can can compete with the best in the world on any given day. That being said, uh, do you hope to maybe get back in the UFC if the right deal came across the table, or are you solely focused on, you know, maximizing the paycheck like you're talking about? Yeah, at this point, you know, I'm going to play it by ear. So um, we'll see how this – tournament goes and see how my body reacts to it and you know if something comes available that's 
that makes sense. You know, it's a possibility. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, they could change the game with this thing, and, and I'm looking forward to how it all kicks off and, and plays out. I'm wondering, though, any words of advice or encouragement you give to any athletes that are in a similar situation that uh, to the one that you were in? Yeah. Um, I, I actually had that question I asked before. Um, like all the young fighters, like they always want to go to the UFC and whatnot. And there's other organizations that are – you know, willing to compensate you for your effort that you put in. And like granted the UFC is a leading fighting organization and you get more recognition, uh, but you can't really like capitalize on to, on it too much because you're on lockdown with the sponsorships. So, um, I don't know. It's like my advice would be look out for yourself as opposed to like doing things to benefit the business. It's like do things to benefit yourself more. Right, you can only be a company man if the company's scratching your back as well. Right. All right, man. Well, listen, it's it's been a great conversation. Uh, I greatly appreciate your time. In conclusion, can you tell all the fans out there why they need to make sure they tune in when this thing kicks off and what they can expect from you this year? <laughs> well, I mean, all the fans can can tune in for the fight either on NBC or Facebook. Uh, it's going to be live on both. And, you know, break out the popcorn or whatever. <laughs> it's going to be pretty entertaining. All right, for sure. Uh, again, appreciate it. Hopefully we can catch up again when a fight finally gets announced for this opening round. Uh, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Uh, not not yet. Um, I mean, actually, I could say thanks to uh, Don LaBelle at the Barbers um, for him hooking me up. So, uh, the Barbers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got you got to keep a fresh cut. That's for sure, man. Yeah. All right. Again, appreciate it. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day, man. And uh, again, hope hope we can catch up again soon. All right. Thanks. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. As you can tell, just by his demeanor, Rick's story is all about business. In this game, he's trying to make himself some money, and you can see that he's already planning for his future with this firefighting gig that he has going on. I'm looking forward to his debut in the PFL. I think he'll do great. He has the potential to win the whole thing and capture that million-dollar prize at the end of the season. So let's see what the future holds for Rick the Horror Story. Let's keep it moving. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next, number four-ranked bantamweight in the UFC, a guy that's probably going to challenge for the title in 2018, El Terra himself, Jimmy Rivera. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show the number four ranked bantamweight in the UFC, a man who is likely fighting for the title sometime this year, El Terra himself, Jimmy Rivera. What's going on, Jimmy? How is life at Tiger Shulman's today? Uh, it's great, man. It's always good. How you doing? I can't complain. Uh, by the way, how'd you guys make out with the recent the Nor'easter? Uh, in Rhode Island, we barely even got any snow and they shut the freaking state down. Yeah, they shut the whole state down. We got we got uh decent amount, so nothing too crazy. It was worse worse that last northeastern we had, but uh Yeah. They salted really well before it came, so nothing sucked the roads. The roads were clear, we got snow, but it wasn't bad. A couple inches. Right. The state shut down in Rhode Island and there was literally like no snow until like five PM the day of, so it's craziness, but that's a tough job being a meteorologist, man. You always get the blame while trying to predict the future. <laughs> exactly. But you know what's an even harder job than that, brother? Your job. 
you'll be back to work June 1st in Utica, UFC Fight Night 131. How excited are you to get back in there and get back to business so close to home? Um, it's great. It's great to be the main event. I uh, headlined the card for UFC Fight Night, and it's great to go in there and go fight. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's looking and sounding like this is going to be the next the next fight, you know what I mean, to get the number one contendership. You know what I mean, get the number one contender to fight for the belt. Yeah, that was something I wanted to touch on in a little bit here, but talk to us about competing in New York. I'd imagine you're going to have a, a ton of support in attendance at the event. Yeah, I mean, it's New York. It's not that far from home, a couple hours drive. Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's great. It's great to be able to take the next step in your career by headlining a, a, a UFC card and fighting so close to home. So it's been a long road for you to finally get back into action here. You know, after Dominic got injured, you were supposed to get Lineker. Then that falls through. You were hoping to get the fight with Marlon at that time. Then he declined. You took to Twitter to discuss the awful circumstances. You missed the holidays, a honeymoon. Tell us about the frustrations in that situation and, you know, going through a training camp only to have to wait an additional six months to fight. I, I mean, it's just frustrating. You know, I landed in, uh, I was at the airport when I got the news in Lineker. I landed in uh, in Vegas and they had, uh, you know, they told me here's the three options. You can fight Dotson or Marlon at 140 or you can fight Marlon Jeremy Torrance and, we went with Marlon because Dotson's three and two in his. I'm sorry, two and three in his last fight, five fights. He just lost to Marlon. There was no point of fighting Dotson off a loss. You know what I mean? The, right. Co- my coach explained it the best. You know, you want to, let's fight someone that's on a hype train. Marlon had a hype train at the time because he had that big knockout over Sterling, and this will help get us closer to the belt. And everybody else is hurt, so it made the most sense. And then we give him three different weight classes he still said no then we say yes to january 20 if he still said no so after that it's a little frustrated you know the guys you know i got there's so many guys behind me that want to fight me obviously makes sense but the guys in front of me that i want to fight don't want to fight me right and that right and that only makes it worse when you're trying to become that number one contender it seems so often the guys that are higher ranked don't want to give the lower guys the opportunity just like they were afforded earlier in their career yeah that was like the same thing was all made a fight i mean Listen, Almeida's ranked like eight or nine when I fought him. was ranked four. We fought. I was like, all right, beat him in July. I'm like, all right, the next step is to fight up and fight someone that's going to give me the belt. And that's why I was looking forward to the cruise fight. Right, right. So now the story continues with the negotiations for the fight with Marlon. They proposed February. That didn't work for you. Then you were trying to get the fight for April, but that didn't work out either. Now it's official for June 1st. What's been the issue all along here, in your opinion, and you know, if you both need a fight that makes sense, why not just get the fight going ASAP, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I had my honeymoon, so I couldn't plan anything or say anything until I got back from my honeymoon. I wasn't going to reschedule it again and and have to cancel again on my wife. I'm not, I wasn't going to do that. So yeah, I was no, like, no. I'll talk to them when I get back. When I got back, we said yes to April, but they offered the main event to someone else, and uh, to Barboza and Kevin Lee. Um, which doesn't make sense because none of those are New Jersey guys. Even though Barboza trains out and down by Nick Jones and Mark Henry, he's not a Jersey guy. You know, I'm a Jersey guy, born and raised in Jersey. So it didn't make sense, but I said whatever. So they got the headline of the card, and they offered us the next time it was going to be close by was Utica in June 1st. And I said, no problem, it's fine. It gave me more time to train and get ready for a fight and not to have to rush to get back into Something. So I said, it's fine. We'll uh, we'll do it June first, and there was a couple other things that we asked from the UFC that we got, and, and it ended up working out really well. 
Right, but still at the same time, it's you know going much longer without a fight than you would have liked to do, right? <laughs> it's it's always like that. I mean, you think you get rid of all the bullshit when you're out of get out of the little promotions and you get into UFC, but it's the same bullshit. You got guys that are hurt or they're saying they're hurt. You know what I mean? All these different things, guys that don't want to fight you, that are ranked above you. You know, it, it just happens. It's just the way it is. You know what I mean? I, there's nothing really you can say about it. It's all politics at the end of the day or favoritism. It is the way it is. All I know is I got to go in there June 1st, beat the fuck out of Marlon, and, and, and ask for a title shot. <laughs> right. That's all you can do, man. So what was this like for you financially? Did the UFC compensate you at all for the for the issue back in December? Um, Only if I agreed with the fight with Marlon. Oh wow! So I, uh, it didn't really matter at that, I, you know, because I own a school in the city. I own a tire show. School is very successful, and um, I let my manager handle all the money and all that. My coaches handle uh, who I'm going to fight, and I just focus on training and get it ready for whoever they say they want me to fight. And that's what it really comes down to. Okay, so it wasn't a huge financial blow for you, but you know, obviously, no, still... it's not. But it's still, you know. It's not a crazy blow because I have a great support system that most fighters don't have, and I actually have a job. I don't right. rely on the UFC to, to to get a paycheck. I'm able to, you know, work all the time, which I do even when I'm in a training camp, five, six days a week, and, you know, keep running and teaching at my school. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, if you're a fighter, I, and I, I see why a lot of people fight. You know what I mean? I'm surprised to see Frank Yeager back in a fight already. He just lost in February. He's getting another fight already in april on the ac card i mean you're a fighter this is what you rely on that's your livelihood my right. livelihood my passions teaching and then fighting so you know the fighting i mean it's great you know you make more money when you're in the ufc obviously and it's nice to have a little extra paycheck to do some special stuff with your family or for your wife whatever but besides that you know you can't live off of it and the guys that try to live off of it you know they see they fight more frequently or they make stupid choices and fight um, and, and then it costs them, you know, a step back from getting closer to the belt. You know, you mentioned Frankie there. I think everybody, as soon as they saw how quickly he was being rebooked, uh, that's got to draw some concern considering he just got knocked out, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think as a fighter, look at it, the concern is, you know, why are you doing this so quick? Why don't you give yourself some time? You just, you know, got, you know, he, he, I don't believe he got knocked out but he got rocked really bad and you should give your head some time to recoup before you end up you know punch drunk later on in life and not able to enjoy it so uh you know he's coming back with quick back but at the end of the day you know you look at it and you, you say like you know i know he wants to you know he's a big team player in a way but you just lost your title shot you just beat up beat by ortega and you lost your title shot against max holloway you didn't have to take that fight you could have waited for max to get better or even better, you know what I mean? Or tell him to offer an intern belt, fight for an intern belt, and then put the two belts together. I mean, he took the Ortega fight with not needing to take it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He, he, he took some big risks there, didn't play, you know, didn't play yeah. out for him. And and, uh, then, and then and then people get mad and all this, and what people understand, this is your this is your health, this is your mind, this is you're going in there again, punch with four ounce gloves, not twelve ounce gloves, and boxing. Not to mention you can get kicked and knee in the face and all this stuff. I mean, you know, I've seen people get hurt and be out for a while. I've got hurt from the favorite fight and was out for a little while with my eye. I'm like, it's serious stuff. You know, you can't just go in there and just fight and fight. Oh, I'm a fighter. You know, you should, or you should just be a fighter and go and fight. Man, this is, you know, <laughs> you, you go in there, you get fucked up, and then you can be out for a long time. 
So Absolutely. Fight ha- that fight has to count. So th- I like to throw that in there because some people just say, oh, no, I just got to be a fight. We're going to tough up. I'm like, man, you're not ha- fucking, there's only this, like 2% that actually do this in the world. Right. You're not even, it's probably even less than that. It's probably like 0.005% that do this in the world. I'm like, you got to have a certain mindset and you got to know the risk. And there's lots of risks. And I, you know, I always take in the risk, but recently one of my teammates got hurt and I'm like, man, there is so much risk to this and it's, it, it sucks. You know what I mean? When you're hurt. And it sucks that not being able to train, you know, just not my teammate, but we've all been hurt and we've all been out for a little while and have to come back. So it sucks. Absolutely. And, you know, you make the point there, everything that we've learned about uh, brain trauma in the past few years, you've really got to be crazy to be taking these kind of risks time and time again. At the end of the day, sure, it is prize fighting, but you also need to think of your long-term health and, uh, you know, the the well-being of your family. But I feel like that kind of comes down to uh, people around you, close to you. I mean, shouldn't your coaches be the ones that tell you, hey, man, take some time off here. You don't need to, to go out there and take more damage. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, your coaches, but if you don't listen to your coaches, there's some people I know that don't even listen to coaches. They'll get a call from the UFC himself and just say, yeah, I'll take the fight. You know what I mean? They go, you know, they don't even bother paying attention to the coaches, which doesn't make sense. You have coaches there for a reason. Right. You should listen to your coaches. You know what I mean? But, um it happens, you know what I mean? Coaches are there for you. I listen to my coaches. That's why, you know, I was supposed to fight three times last year, um, and it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Caraway was supposed to fight, and it didn't happen. They wanted to put some random guy in there, and I said, no. You know what I mean? My coach was like, no, you're not fighting this guy. This guy is not going to help me get closer to the belt. I said, no problem. You know what I mean? And then Cruz, and Cruz gets hurt, and Lineker, Lineker gets hurt. So, you know, there are injuries, but, you know, to have – you know, it must be a black cloud over me or something like that. that have to, <laughs> you guys have to pull out because the entry is fucking crazy. But, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's the game. And uh, I don't know. You know, you kind of have to roll with the punches and go with it. Yeah, and you got you got and you got to make smart decisions. But, you know, you're mentioning there the black cloud thing to have three guys pull out on you injured like this. I mean, do you think that it's uh, it's an excuse thing, or are these guys legitimately getting injured, or are people just? I think you know what? I, I honestly, Lineker, I think yeah, but I think Cruz, uh, he's Cruz and and Carrier are fucking pussies. You know, I, I I never brought this out, but my coach actually did just came and did film in the UFC, and he brought it out, and I, I assumed it was okay for me to talk about. It. Like I tore my MCL mid uh, beginning of November rehabbed it for two weeks you know i mean it wasn't a a, a huge tear that i had to get surgery it was a grade two tear but i rehabbed it and got back in i still took the fight with fucking lineker to fight you know i actually had the cruise fight and then that backed off and i was like oh i don't know and they you know they gave me a better contract with lineker so we said fuck it let's do the fight my knee's feeling better anyway so let's do it but those couple weeks I had to slow down for that. For that, I couldn't go full force because I was rehabbing my uh, my knee because I tore it in uh, in wrestling practice. And now, you know, obviously now it's back. It's good. It was good for the fight. But still, people make excuses. People are weak. I mean, this generation coming up, it's really fucking weak minded. They don't know how to, you know, just work hard. Put their head down. And work hard. You know, oh, sometimes people are like, "Oh, you're giving shit." I'm like, "Nah, just work hard. That's it." Right. Work hard, it pays off. Right. Don't even get me started on the new, on the up and coming generations. Yikes. Oh, I fucking hate it. I, <laughs> so, let, let, I get kids that come to my school, and I, I don't get upset with the kids. I think sometimes, you know, it could be the parents, you know, but they're asking me to put on their headgear or tie the belt. I said, listen, tie your belt. And if you need me to show you, I'll show you how to do it. I'll tie my belt while you're tying your belt. Or put your headgear on, and I tell them, listen, try. And if they fail a couple times, I'll help them. 
with it and to get them through it, but they'll learn how to put their gear on and stuff like that. You need kids to let them learn. You know, you can't do everything for your kid. If you do everything for your kid, he's never going to be able to learn and grow up and make decisions in life. You need someone, you need them to, it's okay for them to fail. I mean, we, we have a tournament we have every six months and I tell parents, I said, listen, it's not for your kid to win. It's for your kid to go in there to have fun. And if they fail, it's great. They'll learn how to get back up and try again. And I have kids go in there that, like, they didn't win or they lost their second match. They're, like, sensitive. We want to do it again, and they want to work harder. Now it drives them to be even more passionate and to work even harder in class because they want one of those trophies. They want one of those medals around their neck. That means the world to them. And the only way a kid knows how to do that is that they have to fail. They have to fail before they can succeed. And that's what happens. Absolutely. Any successful person will tell you it took a – you know, endless amount of failures to get to that success. And that's just part of the journey and, and the learning process. Uh, I would agree with you hundred percent there, man. But, you know, before we get too off topic and, you know, start talking about all the snowflakes in the world, um, (laughs) considering all the headaches getting to this point, are you happy with this fight? And I'd imagine you've got some really pent up aggression that you plan on taking out against Marlon. Yeah, I'm really happy for this fight. I was in uh, Vegas and his manager called my wife a bitch, so I can't wait to whoop this fucking kid's ass and uh, and fucking tell his manager off. And I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, the UFC's called and you know and said we have to play nice uh, while we do our media stuff. But his manager's a fucking douchebag, and I'm gonna take it out on this kid. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if I should talk about this on the podcast, but you know, I've been I've been chatting it up with a lot of people in the industry, and I mean, that guy catches a lot of heat and. I mean, the stuff going on with Masvidal, you, it's endless. What the hell is the deal with him? Why, you know, why do these guys want to be represented by a guy who's always running off at the mouth like that? You know what? Shows character. That's really it. <laughs> I think it just shows character of these guys. You trust someone like that. Listen, my manager, you know, the two managers I've had so far in fighting are really nice guys. You know what I mean? Really down-to-earth guys, family guys, and really are there for you. and are They're not... They're not here to just tell you you need to take this fight. Like, I interviewed one company, and they're like, you know, we gave them a scenario, like, uh, what happened with the Caraway fight. And I, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, we don't want to piss off the UFC. You should just take the fight. And I said, that's not the answer I want. I wanted the no, answer. Not was, at all. The answer I wanted was, well, we want to do what's best for you that's going to get you the title. Or, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to piss off the UFC, but it's whatever you want. You're the client. You know what I mean? Either or the answers I would have took. And when they told me that, I'm like, nah, I'm not going with you guys. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it was funny. And I won't name who the company is, but they were trying to say, you know, look at how, how they all did. And I'm like, nah. I'm like, the people that did well, it's because how their personas are and how they act. And they really sold themselves. You didn't do much. You were just a middleman. Right, right, right. And going and going back to, uh, you know, everything you've learned and, and you know, having to having to take fights, making the right choices not making poor decisions, taking bad fights. I mean, this all sounds like it's all kind of a cumulative learning experience for you, you know, having the injury before the fight, having all these people pull out. Now, at this point, you're really going to pick and choose what fights you need that make the most sense for your career. That's it. That's all it came down to. When it came down to, like, my manager and and Tiger, you know, Danny Showman speaking, it really came down to what's going to get us closer to the belt. And that's right. really what it comes down to. Every single fight when we make a decision, you know, my manager handles the money. But what it comes down to is picking opponents. It's to, you know, it's Tiger and myself, and we sit down like, is this guy gonna help me get the belt? But this guy is only won one fight. It's on a one fight winning streak. Or this guy's, 
you know, two to three, you know what I mean, and hasn't really done much. He moved up from 125. He, he's at 35 because he couldn't make it at 125, and he's only won some fights here and there. You know what I mean? Like, does that make – does that going to help you get close to the belt? You know what I mean? You think about it. Nah, I'm not going to help you. You know, you think, oh, some guys have names. I'm like, yeah, but even their names are going downhill. You'll see people go down. Look, uh, I fought Brian Kelleher in ROC, Ryan Combat, one of the smaller promotions. He's in the UFC now. He fought a former champion at, one, uh, at 135, Hennon Brown, beat his ass. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what their name is. Everybody's eventually going to go down. You know what I mean? They're not, they're, no one stays at the top for that long. And the people that have are, you know, they're not there anymore, but they've done it. You know, GSP, Anderson Silva, you know, those kind of guys. Aldo's done it, but now he's, I, you know, I have nothing against Aldo. I think he's an unbelievable fighter. I think he's just towards the end of his career now. Right, man. Fa- father time is undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Know, you only have so much time and that's it. Right, right, right. And, and again, you got to make all those, you know, smart choices throughout to make sure you maximize all of this. I mean, you know, your body can only take so much, but, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on Marlon as an opponent. How do you think you guys match up stylistically in your opinion? Um, it's just a different style. I can go with anybody. I've faced to wrestlers, to Muay Thai guys, to anybody. I think styles, it just, just preparation's the key. Uh, I think, I think, Mar- I think our Marlon's just a tough kid. I don't think he's better than me. I just think he's a tough kid. Um, and it's going to be a good fight. Now, he had a couple of tough losses in the beginning of his UFC career, came in with a ton of hype, you know, being the World Series of Fighting champ, gets the split decision over Dodson, there was a little controversy there, then with the huge KO over uh, Aljermaine Sterling, he's climbed the ranks, he's gunning for the same spot as you, uh, I know you said that that uh, a win in Utica should put you next in line for the title, but all that considered, do you think this fight should be promoted as a title eliminator? Yeah, of course I think it should be promoted as a title eliminator. Excuse me, a title eliminator. But when it comes down to, he hasn't climbed the ranks. He was given a top five guy when he came in here and he lost. He right. had a questionable win over Dotson, which when I'm watching the fight because I watch all the 35 fights, whether it's top 15 or anybody else, I watch all those fights. I like to pay close attention to my division. Um, I had Dotson win that fight. He dropped him a couple times. And then with Sterling, you know, he had a knockout on Sterling, but Sterling gave him the knockout. Sterling shot in. He was going for a head kick, and as his knee came across, he caught him. He even said in an interview, "I was, you know, I was going for a head kick." I'm like, "Yeah, Sterling basically knocked himself out of the way." Um, you know, I don't think he's climbed the ranks. I don't think he's earned his spot up there, being in the top five for sure. Um, he came in from World Series of Fighting, which is not even around anymore, and he got to get a top five guy. I think you know this fight really. I think he's trying to prove himself big time with this fight, and I think it should be a title eliminator. And you know, I'm going to get on the mic. You know, especially getting the, if I get the win, I'm going to get on the mic and I'm going to speak my mind because, listen, this is 6-0 six, six and all right now in the UFC. I beat Marlon. You know, that's the focus right now, just getting the Marlon and winning that fight. And then my main focus is calling out whoever's the champ at this time. You know, if TJ gonna, if TJ's going to still fight, you know, what's going on with all that whole thing. But, you know, if he doesn't have a fight lined up, I should be the next one. You know, you kind of you kind of segue into my next question perfectly here, you know. Uh, obviously, we've seen a, a number of contenders get looked over for money fights in recent history. We all know that uh, how everybody feels about the ranking system. But, you know, considering your win streak, especially, like you said, if you make it 6-0 and here, when do you become undeniable as the next contender? I don't know. I don't know. It's like I feel like I'm on uh, uh, what happened with Damian Maya, you know what I mean, kind of thing. Like he he went like 7-8-0 and until he finally got a title shot, you know, and it took forever. So I kind of feel like that in a way. And uh, – 
I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not up to me. I'm not, you know, I'm not the promoter and the matchmaker. Um, I'm just the guy that, I'm the, I'm the hired, hired help. Right. <laughs> now, speaking of money fights, what what are your thoughts on the Mighty Mouse and Dillashaw fight seeming to be scrapped by now or at this point? Do you think it's good for the division? Um, I would. I was actually interested in seeing that fight. I didn't mind that fight playing it out because you know, you know, once he's done with Mighty Mouse or once Mighty Mouse is done, done with him, honestly, I don't think he's going to beat Demetrius Johnson. Um, that leaves me kind of open. It gives me time because they were trying to plan that fight for July fight in June, he fights in July, then make another title shot, maybe fight in the garden in November and in my hometown again for the belt. That would have been awesome. Um, now that the fight scratched, listen, I had Mighty Mouse win the fight. I think in my opinion why the fight got scratched is that Demetrius Johnson wanted more money and they didn't want to give it to him. And that was it. And now uh, TJ is trying to call out Cruz because he doesn't want to give uh, you know, Cody that uh, obligation of a rematch. He knocked him out in the second round and, and that's it. Yeah, well, you know, that Garbrandt wants the rematch. Ludwig and TJ, obviously, like you said, they've been pretty vocal about wanting to fight Cruz. However, both Ludwig and TJ have you on the radar in conversations that I've had with them. Uh, but, you know, if it's not you fighting next for the belt, what would make sense to you most? You know, what would you like to see happen? Um, honest, Honestly, I, you know, I don't care. I, I, what I care about is getting the title shot next after this fight, you know what I mean? Coming out, knock on wood, and, you know, getting the win. Um, for TJ, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who holds the belt for me. I just want to fight for the belt. Um, I could see, though, uh, TJ and the Cruz fight actually happening and them trying to do that fight uh, again. Um, I don't I don't know what else is, you know, I don't know what else is really going to uh, happen besides that. I can't really say because there's so many different factors, you know. They could have, you know, Cruz and TJ fight. And they could try to make the Cody and Sansal fight, and they could make that one a number one contender. That's why they're not making ours a number one contender. Yeah. And I think at the end, of, at the end of the day, Marlon's manager is really not protecting Marlon. He's just protecting his golden boy, which is Cody. So I think Ali is just protecting his golden boy, Cody, because he knows if I get some, I'm gonna whoop his ass. So I think at the end of the day, you know, they just throw people around to try to derail me. And I like it, and I'm just going to fucking keep training harder to go in there and fucking whoop some ass. <laughs> I have no doubt, man. You know, I know you're fe- you feel that you're already already uh, able and, and ready to beat all these guys, uh, but, you know, are you willing to take one more fight to ensure the title shot, or are you going to wait until the dust settles between these three guys? Um, I, You know what? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can't even honest, I honestly answer you. My honest answer is I have no idea. Uh, if that path crosses, we uh, will decide then. You know, what yeah. I mean, I, I I would sit down with my manager, my coach, and just kind of lay out the cards and see, you know, what we decide. It could go either way. To be honest with you, I'm I'm really not sure. Well, like we talked about, man, win streak alone, you're you're arguably the most deserving guy in the division at this point. So, uh, thank you. You know, I I think it'll happen, hopefully this year, but. You've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. No problem. Uh, depending on how things play out, like I just said, there's no reason that you shouldn't be crowned the champ this year. That being said, how many times do you plan on fighting in 2018? Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to fight at least uh, three times. And this year, the way it started out, probably only get two times. But, you know, my goal is to fight for the belt, win the belt, and then fight at least, you know, two to three times a year. As long as my, you know, as long as you know, no injuries, but to fight, you know, that often and defend the belt. I'm not going to be, you know, 
Uh, I'm not a Conor McGregor. I'm not going to go chase another belt in another division. I'm not going to beat TJ Dillashaw into the same thing. I'm going to stay in my division, defend it. And I like to, you know, do what Demetrius Johnson did and Anderson Silva and Aldo's done and just be in my division and just kind of clean out the division and, and, and win and right. fight everybody and defend the belt. I think that's a true champion, and I would have respect for those guys because that's what they've done, uh, St. Pierre too, and I think that's, you know, important. Absolutely. You clear out your division, sometimes even twice, you automatically get put in that conversation of uh, one of the best of all time, in particular at Bantamweight. So I would agree with you 100% there. But getting back to Marlon, man, how do you visualize the fight playing out? What's your prediction if you have one? Uh, my prediction is to finish, man. I'm going to push the pace. I don't know I don't know when I'm going to get that finish, but I want to I want to knock him out bad. So uh, I'm looking in there to kill, and that's what I'm predicting. All right. And for all the Jimmy Rivera fans out there that have shown support throughout these past few months, uh, what would you say to them, and what can they expect from you this year? Thank you so much. You know, expect me to keep fighting this year. You know, I mean, get it in there, and, and hopefully we we end 2018 off with having the belt around our waist and enjoying it. And you know, obviously, always thank you for the support. Absolutely. All right, man. Greatly appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Any shout outs or uh, sponsor plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Yeah, um, you know, I like to always thank Tiger Fighter for supplying me all my gear, uh, Nutribottle supplements, Eat Clean Bro, helping me get ready for my meals. Um, just everybody always there. And uh, uh, also, just recently, not in standard. I got, I'm not a fancy guy, so I just got uh, fitted for suits and getting ready for the, a media tour we're going to do in the beginning of April and uh, going to be at the fights in Atlanta City in the third week in April. So, Gotta look kind of good, and uh, they help me out, and I, you know, I appreciate all the sponsors and them helping me out and uh, supporting my uh, my cause. Cool, man. So uh, we're gonna see you first time, all all decked out in some fly gear. Yeah, yeah, I got nice pinstripes coming. No fuck you, pinstripes. I'm not a Conor McGregor, but I got some <laughs> nice pinstripes coming on. I think there's, I respect that. People always ask, and you know, I'm like, I'm not a Conor McGregor. There's one Conor McGregor. There's a couple guys that can talk shit, but no one can talk shit as good as him. Right, <laughs> right, right. All right, man. Listen, I'm looking forward to the fight and especially what the remainder of 2018 uh, looks like for you. Thanks again, and hopefully we can catch up again when the fight draws closer. I hope you have a wonderful evening, man. You too, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Later. Very unfortunate string of events for Jimmy. Clearly, he's motivated to get back in there. He wants that title shot, and now he has an opportunity to solidify himself as the number one contender against Marlon Marias. Sounds like he's got some beef with Ali Abdelaziz. Be on the lookout for what happens after the fight, that's for damn sure. But again, no reason he can't be competing for the belt by the end of this year. However, as we always do, we got to keep it moving. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, good friend of the show, very happy that he's coming back on, and even happier to hear what you guys are about to hear in regards to his health and his future in the sport. One of the realest guys in the business, gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of the realest guys in this business, from backyards to bright lights, gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. Been a while, Jorge. How have you been, man? Good, man. Chill. Just uh, in the gym, working on new things, just taking time off. I, I didn't want to take any fight. Soon and just work on the bad things, work on the, on, on the new good things that I'm doing, you know, 
polish up old tools as well. Sometimes you don't have that time to, to do that when you got a fight already. So I just uh, just been getting better, man. Good, good, good. So you've been doing a lot of skiing, spending time with the family on top of, you know, trying to work on the things that you're trying to work on in the gym? Yes, sir. I uh, got the ski. I went for about 10 days. I skied uh, eight days out of the 10. I went to Utah. Had a blast, man. I love it. Very good, very good. So speaking of backyards to bright lights, man, is that still being put together? The teaser trailer had people pretty excited. It hasn't been released yet, right? No, it has not been released yet. Uh, we're going back and forth with a couple of companies and distribution deals. Wherever wherever the most dollars are, that's where it's going to make the most sense, you know? So it's just basic math. Who's going to pay us the most? And we're just going back and forth with a couple of companies to see where we end up going. Right, right. That only makes sense. But like I said, man, you know, once the teaser trailer came out, I read comments, you know, people were in tears. Everybody's really looking forward to that getting released. So, um, yeah, no, it's definitely coming. It's just, it's, uh, when we released the teaser, we thought, uh, we were much closer to closing the deal, but, uh, much like the fight business, the entertainment business is real shady and, and people want to put as much money in their pocket as they can without having done anything, you know, but just a uh, mere introduction and things like that. Without getting into too much detail, uh, some of the deals that, that uh, were promised were, were a little sketchy once we looked thoroughly into them, you know? Right, right. I, I know I've done some independent film work myself, man, and trying to work with uh, distributors and get those deals done, it's very, very difficult. Nobody wants to pay you anything, so I know where you're coming from on that. But um, I know everybody's... You know, looking forward to it coming out, but there's plenty to discuss with you. Let's let's waste no time, man. We, I know you haven't done much media since the Wonder Boy fight. Not to dwell on the past at all, but, you know, give us your assessment on how that fight played out. It played out bad. I think I had one of the worst performances of my night, uh, psychologically, physically, everything. You know, just I wasn't I wasn't where I needed to be at, and um, I didn't stick to the game plan either, you know. The game plan was if he's running too much, if things ain't clicking on the, on the feet in the first run, just... Use the wrestling that I've acquired over the years and just take him down and beat him up. And I didn't stick to the plan. I thought I'd knock him out. And uh, I just made for a horrible fight, man. One of my worst fights ever. Pops and Thompson. It's, uh, I don't want to take anything away from him. He had a great performance, you know. I just hope I've never had a rematch. So I'm not calling from for a rematch now, but I will get on the money horse, win a couple fights, and, and get a rematch with Thompson, get a rematch with my. It's just fights I feel I, I know I could win, you know, just. Slight mistake here, slight mistake there, and, and led to my demise. Oh, absolutely, man! It's a game of inches, and you gotta you gotta take all that in stride as it comes. But no stock lost, in my opinion. You know, just a difficult style to compete against. So, you know, what was the course of action after that? It was just take some time off after a pretty busy 2017, and really work on some stuff in the gym as well as enjoying time with family. Uh, a lot of that and, and just a lot of personal things that I had to fix up that I've been doing since a kid and got away with them. It's just uh, things need to be changed, you know, and I'm still working on it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still the same game, bro, but just a little bit more mature. And I just things that I've been needing to do that I've been putting off as far as my personal life goes to, to make the business click a little better. That's what we've been zeroing in on, me and the team. And what I mean by the team is mainly me and my head coach, my striking coach that, that has been with me since since before I was fighting in the streets, you know. So um, he's somebody that uh, that I talk to a lot and that is always on my thoughts and I'm always on his, you know. He's always telling me what's best for me, you know. So we got we got some serious stuff in the kitchen and we're cooking right now. Yeah, I think that's important, man. you got to keep those people that have been close to you since day one 
that that loyalty thing. I, you see a lot of that in this game. People like to take off and you know go to different gyms, try the new things. But at the end of the day, you're better off being around people that have known you since day one. So uh, I'd I'd agree with you on that. Oh, I mean, I, I go to different gyms where I work out with different trainers or I'll bring them in. But my number one guy, no matter what happens, it's it's my my coach, my striking coach. Um, a lot of people know him because he's always wearing yellow and stuff in my corner. And uh, that's that's the guy I'll, I'll be with to the end of my career. You know, I'm very low, and so is he. So we'll be in it for, for the, the whole ride. Right, right. You can't teach that shit, man. Now, you've been the topic of discussion for a few names in the sport over this past week. All started with Darren Till, then Usman and his manager Ali Abdelaziz, obviously. But first with Till, you know, you, you said that you had a ton of praise for him, that you appreciated his style of fighting, but you told him that you'd be ready to fight in July. Uh, then it was announced that that Till will be fighting Wonder Boy in Liverpool. You also mentioned that you wanted to compete for the UK fans, but you know, first off, was the fight ever officially offered to you, or was this just talk online? No, the Till fight was officially offered to me. Um... Uh, UFC asked me maybe they asked me since last year when my target date was and when we had already told them it'd be June or July it'd be the summer of this year and though I'm not on social media talking about every injury because I think that's kind of you know I don't know it's kind of weird for me to be out there saying hey this is injured or that when I'm in a sport that people might go after those injuries you know so why would I say that you know but just because you don't say it doesn't mean I don't have injuries I'm 33 years old I've been doing this for a while I got injuries I I felt like this was a good time to nurse them up get certain things uh, way better in my body that that just haven't been functioning at 100% and rehab as much as I could during this time you know so uh it was mainly that you know I told the UFC I'm not I'm not fighting till June or July so then they offered me hey we know you don't want to fight till June or July but would you want to fill in a five-rounder uh, against Darren Till. And I, and I loved it that they kept me in mind and they wanted it. I know they really wanted that main event because it's going to be action no matter what happens. It's going to be two guys that are trying to eliminate each other for real going out there to compete, you know. And, and that's something that I would have loved to have done had I had more time to prepare and been in better shape. You know, my injuries are still not fully 100% healed. So I'm just I'm just getting better every day, like I said, you know. Yeah, now obviously you don't want to get into too much detail about the injuries, but this is stuff that's been nagging you for a long time. Yeah, I've had injuries, a uh, couple injuries for quite some time, but there's been one that's been that's real bad that uh, makes the day to day practice a little rougher than it probably should be, you know. And it also I know comes with age, so I gotta just take care of my body a little better now than when when I was younger, you know. Absolutely, man. I think that's one thing that doesn't get talked about enough in this sport. You guys go into competition injured all the time. And, you know, it's guys like you that uh, don't necessarily talk about those injuries, but they, they've still been bothering you, and, you know, that might affect the performance. But at the end of the day, it's like you're going out there to fight. Why even bring it up? But um, in regards to fighting in the U.K., is that something that you plan to be pursuing, you know, in the coming year or so? I was kind of thinking that you'd be wanted to be a part of that uh, Chile card. Oh, I definitely wanted to do the Chile card, and I definitely think I'm going to end up being in the Argentina card. Um, I definitely want to represent for all my Latin fans over everything, you know. The the Chile card is just, uh, the timing is definitely unreasonable for me. I, I won't be ready by then. Right, right. Now, before we talk about Usman and Ali, uh, you know, tell us about the timetable you decided on here with July. I mean, it, that that's a good, what, seven, eight-month gap, you know, That'll be possibly my longest gap in the UFC since I've signed with them. Right. 
Now, International Fight Week is what you're gunning for at this point, right? No, I'm not really I'm not really gunning for anything at this point. When I come back, it's just with my body. When we've determined talking to my therapist, trainers, and, and the whole team, that's where my body's going to be peaking and I'm going to be pretty good to go, you know? So it, it doesn't matter who it is or where it is or what show. I'm just, that's when I'm going to compete, you know, if it's July or if it's uh, June, maybe like mid-June and up. Or August even, you know, that's just when I'm ready for whoever they want to throw at me. Whenever, you know, after that, just green light on everybody. Right, so it sounds like you've wisely made the decision to do this at your own pace, at nobody else's, and, and make sure you get back to peak performance so that we can all see the game bread that we've gotten used to over the years. Yes, sir. All right, so um, moving on to the stuff with Usman. You know, I think fans pretty much universally know that you are one of the old old school type of guys that would not turn down a fight. So when Ali and Usman started saying all this shit on Twitter, you know, that you would turn down the fight, everybody in the MMA community pretty much called bullshit. Uh, I could see that struck a nerve with you, though, based on your responses on there. Definitely. You know, I mean, they can say whatever they want, but that's calling me a coward straight up. You know, you're saying I don't want to fight when this is my livelihood, my business. I, I've i uh, only fought number one at the time, Damian Maya. And number two at the time, which I, I don't know what Thompson's rank right now, you know. And then after that, I was heavily considering until I wasn't physically fit yet to, to compete by May, but I was still considering the fight because of the challenge that it brought. So I don't like people tarnishing my name, using my name to get yourself up, you know. If uh, if if I was, like, in shape, fight ready, and, and I called the UFC and I go, hey, I want to find that, I go, we got Usman for you. Well, then, yeah, that'd be turning down a fight, you know, but that's never happened. I've never called the UFC saying, we want to fight. And, uh, like, for example, July, whoever they put in front of me, it's that's the person that it is. That's who I'm going to go after. You know, if they were to bring up Usman then and me to say, no, I don't want to fight him, that's called dodging somebody. Then you can go and talk shit. But till that day happens, man, don't don't use my name to get your name out there. You know, keep keep attacking the guys that you attack on social media. Keep my name out out of it. You know, I got nothing to do with the bullshit you guys, the ring circus you guys are trying to pull. Right. So at the end of the day, the UFC is known for a while that July is the, is you know around July in the summer. That's the time for you. So any fight offered between now and then, they should know that you weren't going to accept it anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, like two weeks after my fight uh, with Thompson. Um, I think I was brought to Australia right around that time. And when I was in Australia with the UFC promoting the events, they called, I think, uh, I don't remember who it was exactly. They called, I don't want to say name and, and blame somebody, but somebody from the UFC called. And they, they go, hey, when's George's uh, date? Would he like to fight this year? My manager at the time happened to be right next to me. He goes, we're not fighting until next year. So possibly summer, you know, maybe the earliest you know, uh, May or something, but more than likely it's going to be June, July. We've known this since since then because that's the time that I've given myself to heal myself up. And uh, any fights that were offered then, it's it's not counted as a, as a fight being offered to me because I already said no fight. I'm not I'm not fighting Ronald McDonald, Joe Blow, <laughs> the number one guy. You know, it was I didn't even want to hear the names. So it was like it was so stupid to me that that if that's when they had presented a fight to me and these guys would run with that story, like get out of here, man. You know, if if they really want to fight after he gets uh, done fighting Ponza Bibi, then come see me. You know, if if I really dodge you and you think I'm dodging you, then come prove that in July. And and this is a young man that I've I've known him for a while. Every time he sees me, he shakes my hand. I shake his hand. We got mutual respect for each other. So I thought it was kind of fucking cheat. You know, I didn't like that shit at all. 
Yeah, I can't blame you, man. And I I know Abe Kawa also confirmed that that you were never offered the fight. You know, why do you think Ali is trying to fabricate news like that? Is he just being desperate to get Kamaru a fight at this point? I, I, man, that's his client, and I and I understand that he has to go to war for him. But he also has to understand I'm gonna go to war for myself every time, especially somebody spreading rumors and lies. You know, so it's it's fuck it. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't really give three fucks what what their intentions were. It's, it's damaging me, my brand, who I am. I'm a fighter. I love the fight. I love challenges. You know. So I mean. Is Usman, what's he currently ranked? Is he even in the top 10? I believe he is, yeah. I could be wrong. He's either top 10, top 15. I want to say he's like 8 or 9, though. Yeah, I thought it was like top 15. I'm not even sure because I, I can't think of anybody. I'm not trying to like make fun of him right now. I can't think of anybody that he beat right now ranked. So that's why I'm asking what what's his ranking, you know? And not that the ranking matters. A fight is a fight. But since since I've gotten into the UFC, I'm just trying to take the toughest fights possible. Nobody could ever point at me and be like, oh, but that's the guy that kind of picked and chose. No, because I love competition. I want to fight the best guys in the world. Whatever the result is, it is. But I want to fight the best in the world, you know? So I've... it just it's something that, that it was stupid of them, you know? And I think they uh, they understand it. You know, they went back to targeting whoever the fuck they're targeting. Yeah, I think I think he's looking at, uh, like you said, Ponzinibbio now in Chile. But, you know, Ali's not a very well-liked guy in this industry to begin with. Jimmy Rivera, he was just telling me that Ali swore at his wife not long ago at an event. But, you know, regardless of that, Kamaru has been booked against Ponzinibbio on May 19th in Chile. Uh, But I'd imagine that you'd be very open to fighting him in July should he get past Santiago. Oh, definitely. Uh, Like I said, when when July comes around, um, I know a couple fights got booked right now. So I don't know what the landscape will be like in July. But what I do know is that wherever it is, is I'm going to take their head off. That's that's what it is, you know? Right. It's, if it's that dude or, or fucking, I don't know, whoever it is, a new up-and-comer guy, whoever it is, I'm, when I'm in shape and I, and I tell the UFC, hey, I'm, my body's good, let's go, that's, that's when it's going to be, you know, and whoever it is, it's up to them. Well, man, you know, if there's one thing that the sport is never lacking, it's drama. That's for damn sure. Uh, but if it's, you know, aside from Till and Usman, you know, who would you initially have, have in mind for a dance partner? Or is it really not matter at this point? I know you've wanted uh, Magni for a while. Is that still a name that, that you'd, you'd be interested in? I was just about to say, man, he doesn't have a dance partner. He's not booked with nobody. But that dude is like, it's like beating a dead horse. You know, he said some stupid shit before. He's never backed it up, never even cared to entertain the thought of stepping in the cage with me. And, you know, it's kind of keep kicking a dead horse, you know, for me to say, hey, Magni, you want to go in July? I'm, I'm sure you'll have a, a prom date to attend or a baby shower or something to go to, you know? Right, right. Now, you know, considering that uh, you fought two of the guys ranked above you, the other two guys you're pretty friendly with, do you really care much about who it is as long as it's a top ten opponent? I know when we spoke before you were only looking to fight ahead of yourself, but at this point, coming back, does that really matter to you? or? No, no, right now, it, do, it doesn't matter. I feel like I kind of, especially with the Thompson loss, the way I lost, I got to prove myself. I got to I gotta get on the workhorse, you know, so if it's number 15 or it's number 38 or it's number one because they want me to fight the best guy in the world, man, it's, it's literally whoever the fuck they put in front of me, man. I am not discriminating on who gets this next ass whooping. <laughs> no doubt, brother. Now, speaking of friends, man, this news recently came out. It hasn't been made official just yet, but give us your thoughts and your reaction to the news of uh, Colby potentially getting this RDA fight for the interim strap. 
Uh, who I got my money on? Oh, I'm just you know, give us your thoughts on it. Oh, I think it's it's a great stylistic matchup for the fans. You know, RDA has good wrestling, good on the feet, good off his back, and I think just Kobe's from another planet of of cardio and and grappling. Just like I told people, yo, out grapple Maya. I'm betting my money that he's gonna out grapple. RDA by a lot. It's he's, I think he's gonna sweep him under the rug. I don't. I don't. You know he could get caught maybe with a punch or something like that because it's a fight. Anything could happen. But I'm I'm betting a lot on Kobe to tell you. He's, but I mean by a lot is is a good amount of money. You know. Right. Right. And I know you're definitely a betting man. So, uh, what was your reaction to the idea of him going back to Brazil though? I mean that seems kind of crazy. I love the man that shows he's a competitor. He's willing to dig down deep. He's going to go into the number one enemy territory where everybody has says, if, if you had done this in that city, you'd get killed. Right. Guess what? He's going right back to that city. He's going to trust everybody's patience and, and fortitude and, and come out with the W. He's, he's a guy I think I'd rather see him. I know him well, man. I've, I've known Kobe quite some, some time since uh, we were... Since we were both out of the UFC, now we're both in the UFC doing big things. So I know that guy well, and he responds well to hostile territory. You know, he actually might respond better to hostile territory than him fighting at home, you know. So I think this is it's perfect for him, you know. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, man, I've actually had some trouble getting a hold of him. I'm not sure, you know, what his deal is. But uh, considering all the stuff that, that he's done as far as promoting himself, you know, he's definitely taking this trash talk thing to, to the next level. I mean, do you at all feel at times maybe to suggest that he dials it back, or are you on are you on board with this just as much as as a lot of other people are? I mean, as long as it's coming from his chest, and and that's how he truly feels. At the end of the day, I got nothing to say, man. Just right. sit back and enjoy the show, you know. As long as it's 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 him that's, that's saying it, you know, which it is. It's it's coming from his chest. You know, I can't get mad at the dude. I know people don't like it, but I mean. Just look at the sport where it is right now. You know, it seems like everybody has to like, you know, that that's the reason why I gave Till respect, you know, because he called me out and just let's fight, man. You fight, I fight, let's fight. Wayne, it was just cool to see that, you know, not like all these other thugs online that are like, yo, fuck you, I'll kill your mom. Right. It's fine. You know, it's corny. It's so fucking stupid. If you have, you have actual problems with each other, then fuck yeah, rip each other's throat out wherever it's at, you know, but... The constant like uh, name calling or having or there's no real like issues between the people, but they fabricate those issues. That's weakness, you know. Yeah. So it, just where the sport is going, just like I see it like where rap music, it's constantly all these guys that all have the name Little and they're all constantly attacking the, one of the great late rappers or each other. It's just that's where it's going, you know, the whole future. Oh my God! It, rap alone—that's a very, very sad thing going on there, man. I can't even, can't even begin to touch it. It's awful. But uh, you know, it sounds to me like you know, obviously, promotion is one thing, and and I think you've always understood that. You've done a great job of promotion, but it sounds to me like you're really kind of past all this trash talk bullshit. You'd like to kind of get back to the the old school guard of let's just go out there and throw down. Yeah, you know, I, you know, the, the shit talking on entertainment value, I know you got to bring it, but it doesn't always have to be, I hate you, you hate me, you know, if, if it's like a genuine, it's like you'll hear me say things, you know, and even if it's not a genuine, it's like I might just say something to, to get under somebody's skin and get inside of their head, but right. like the new, the new age is, it's, I don't know, it's just weird, but it's, they go above and beyond and I don't know. 
guys painting themselves constantly. Like it seems like it's more show than than talent, more show than than drive, really. You know. Yeah, I've talked about it a lot, man. We're in that McGregor era, McGregor era, and you know, I'm not, yes. re- I'm not really sure where it goes from here. You know. No, I think it's only it's only gonna get worse. You know, there was a GSP era where everybody was just like, well, I. Uh, I'm looking forward to winning this fight, and um, I hope I do well, and I want to come out on top. All and right. everybody was saying that same stupid ass line, and now uh, <laughs> you know in the corner where everybody thinks you're gonna get a bigger paycheck if if they act like they're Ric Flair. And you know what the sad part is? A lot of these motherfuckers can't even talk on the microphone. They should, they, it should be legal for a lot of these guys to even hold the microphone. They sound stupid as fuck. Right. And well, like you were talking about, man, if it's not like a genuine beef, or if you're not gonna at least be creative. With the trash talk, it's like, what are you even wasting your time for, man? Because the fans see right through that shit. You're absolutely right. So yeah, not, not everybody's a thug from death row, and and not everybody's a fucking George St. Pierre. Just be yourself. Hey, that's what everybody can do. Is just be yourself. Absolutely, man. And there's and there's more than enough characters in this sport for everybody to do so and 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 make money and and have good careers. But you know, speaking of controversy, trash talk. I know I was asked by Abe not to not to talk to you about this on Fight Week, uh, you know, leading up to the the Wonder Boy fight. But and and if you're still not at liberty to discuss it, that's fine. But is this stuff with Bisping? Is that is that water under the bridge for you by now? I dislike that dude uh, heavily, bro. I don't like him one bit, man. It's nothing fabricated. I mean, he knows it. You know, I tried to talk to him in private, man to man, and he's just not a man about it. He's just, I mean, just look at the antics he's constantly doing, you know. And, and the stupidity he's doing. I, I just, I don't like to do it one bit, man. Not yeah. one bit, you know, and he knows that I would love to break his face, you know, and I'm not going to say for free, but I'd love to break his face. Yeah, no, and I... In any place. It could be in inside of the McDonald's parking lot. I don't give three fucks, bro. He knows that he's just a punk, man, and I think if he's played a lot of these fans into thinking he's definitely not, you know. He doesn't even know what to do with himself. If he's a good guy, if he's a shit-talking guy, if he doesn't know. He's washed up, and his fucking mind is washed up with him. Yeah, and I know we've discussed this at length before, but uh, you know, after after the running in the hotel room, it was like, or the hotel lobby there. I was like, man, is this shit actually gonna gonna pop off at some point? But it sounds like none of that's been reconciled. He's refused to budge, and 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 that's that. Well, we had another incident actually in China which uh, not too many people know about it. UFC staff was there. A couple of fighters were there. And um, I don't know if I told you this one, right? No, no, right? No, no. I haven't talked to you since Wonder Boy, bro. Okay. Uh, so we were in China, and he got knocked out by Gasolin. And I'm not going to fuck with nobody who just got knocked out, especially the way he did it. It looked right. like the Holy Ghost left his body, you know? Right. So I see him coming through the lobby. I, I was with numerous fans taking pictures and so i give him my back and i'm just like man i don't even want to see this dude right now but i'm not going to just run away either and leave the fans hanging you know i'm, I'm just got back to my hotel people are forming a line i'm going to give them the pictures that they want you know so i got my back to him and i see him out of the corner of my eye and i'm trying to like turn more away so he doesn't really see my face maybe he just sees like a side profile or something but he comes right to my face sticks his middle finger in my face and starts going fuck you fuck you piece of shit you low life you ain't shitting starts to walk away, I immediately lost my shit, and I went after him, and Reed Harris and company got in between us and the UFC security, and then, you know, he did the whole show and stuff, and talking shit while he's backing up, getting into the elevator, I'm like, why why do all that, and then nothing come out of it, you know, you could have just sent me a message and told me, hey, 
let's meet at the workout room and talk about this, you know? But right. he's just not going to do that, you know? So I immediately sent him a message, and I ended up posting it online because he's such a punk. Uh, letting them know, man, stop disrespecting me. Every time you see me, just be a man about it. Pick a place and let's go, and let's fucking, let's do it like men. Why are we talking? We both can fight to some degree. I don't think he can fight for shit, but I, he, he claims to be a fighter. Let's just go and, and, and scrap it out, man. That we're going to fucking flirting with each other online. You know, like what he's doing with Luke Rockhold. He said he doesn't want to fight Luke Rockhold. He's just stirring shit up. Like, you're just flirting with another man online. What is that? You know? <laughs> That's basically what it is, though. You know, he said he said it himself. I was just stirring the pot. Just, but for what, though? If you're not going to fight, for what? Why are you talking to guys? Why, why are you, like, saying all this shit? It's not even... Nobody's finding it even amusing. Right. So it sounds like this was uh, reminiscent of that first running you had with him in the locker room or whatever at that, I can't remember what event it was where you guys uh, ran into each other. When I fought Thompson, it was at the lobby. No, 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 but I mean, even before that, you had told me about... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was at another hotel lobby, and, uh, yeah, yeah, we've had a couple incidents already. Yeah, wow. Well, so at this point, I mean, you're just, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, I'm not... I don't see the guy and start opening my mouth. You know, actually, I saw him, like, four different times in China. And one of them, he's with, like, his wife and his kids. And I see him, and I immediately, like, cut her right and trying to get away. Yeah, you better walk away, you punk. Oh, you my God. Me. I'm like, man, I turn around. I'm like, I didn't say nothing because you were your family. But you're such an idiot, man. He's like, man, fuck you. You don't need to do me no favors. And I just walked away anyway. Security had gotten there already. So I was like, man, this guy's just an idiot, you know. The, the hotel incident that we had in New York when he was putting his fingers in my face, I was with my son in the stroller. I was pushing my son to get down the steps, and that's when the whole thing started. And I handed the stroller off to my coach, and then I went after him, you know. But that that's the type of low-life idiot he is, you know. He sees kids there, and he still wants to make a show. Like, what are, what are you doing, you know? Right. Now you're you're going into waters and territories you you don't know nothing of. You know you're involving yourself in a different lifestyle. Yeah, man. I mean, you would think that you would have a mutual respect that you know if you're with your family and your children, just kind of leave that shit that you know wayside at the, at least at that point. But man, can't believe that shit. I, I was hoping that maybe this was all past, but sounds like that's that's no, that no, one's no, never no. gonna die till you guys throw down, huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll tell I'll tell you this much right now. If if uh, if I ever seen him and there's nobody around to stop it, it's it's gonna happen. You know, either you know, come up to him and talk to him man to man, and him just say like, yeah, I won't fuck with you no more. I look the other way, blah blah blah, some of that nature. But in a face to face, not no like stupid apology online or something, then I could squash it. You know, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bully somebody either. If you don't wanna if you don't want problems and you don't wanna fight, then just stay. But if you're gonna keep causing problems, stirring the pot. That's something I can't live with. You're not going to be disrespecting me at every single event I go to. And I'm with my family next time. I might just not take into consideration that my job's on the line. I might just go all out, you know. I'm not going to be getting disrespected in front of my kids, my wife, my children. That's what is that, you know. Yeah, being, you can't have that, dude. You can't have that. No so good. I, I just know how he is and he knows I am. It's, it's just a matter of time. Right. You know, we're going to bump it to each other and somebody's going to leave to the ER. All right, well... Listen, man, I, I, moving on from there, again, it was just something I wanted to get your take on. It's kind of a bummer to hear that, you know, he hasn't been willing to, to let it go, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Uh, it's not like I'm willing to let I'm not, I don't want to sound like a saint here. It's not like I'm willing to let it go either because uh, he's, he's, I don't know, man. I feel like 
the only way we could truly let it go is if we put the gloves on and just throw down. And then after that, whatever, you know, we're not going to be friends or nothing, but at least we got it out of our chest, you know? Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, he wants that retirement fight. Maybe it should be you guys in July. Nah, that's not going to happen no matter <laughs> what. We, we petitioned for that fight. So I can't tell you how hard we petitioned for that fight, you know, and uh, it was just nowhere near happening. That, that, as injured as I was and stuff, I was telling my manager, and though he was saying no, that he didn't want me to do it, I was like, that's the, I will step out for that, put the injuries aside and just quarter zone the shit out of my body and go through with it, you know, and do what we got to do, you know, because that's, that's how much of the dislike it, it's for this individual. Wow. Wow. Well, man, listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I greatly appreciate it, as always. Uh, I guess let's let's wrap this thing up. Uh, assuming you get the fight, International Fight Week, maybe not, you know, July, sometime in the summer, uh, all goes well, you remain injury-free, how many how many times do you think you can realistically compete this year? Um, I know I definitely got two to three. I mean, you know, that's, that's my, my average has always been three fights. You know, so I know I could definitely pull off two no matter what, you know. Um, that, that'd be the goal, at least, just to get two big fights or three big fights. You know, maybe July, if if all the, the top guys are booked, maybe I just take a nice warm-up fight, get in there with whoever I could find, and then after that, get two big fights. I don't know, man. I just I like the fight. I like to compete. I'm just trying to make sure my body's healthy, good to go, and, and whoever it is that they put in front of me, that's, that's what's going to get it, you know. Well, like I said, man, I think it's a wise decision to to take the time to heal up, and uh, Lord knows uh, a fully healthy game bread is going to be a hell of a lot more scary than what we've gotten used to already, so I feel bad for whoever you step in there with. Uh, but for all the game bread fans out there that have been eagerly, eagerly awaiting your return, man, what can they expect when you finally make that walk sometime this summer? Some some old tools polished up, some new tools in the pot as well, and uh, just a lot of violence. You know, I want to deliver a lot of violence. I want to deliver what the fans tune in to see me for. And that's, as a competitor, that doesn't understand what it is to give up and just keep fighting no matter what's going on. You know, so I, I just want to get in there and hurt somebody and tell you the truth, man. I, I've been already going to the gym. I've been getting some sparring around the gym. I'm starting to, to feel good, you know. So I can't wait till it's turn-up time, you know. Absolutely, man. I, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to it very much. Uh, you know, the game is always missing a guy like you, so uh, I can't wait for the summertime. But listen, man, feel free to get in any shout-outs or anything you want to plug, sponsors, and please remind everybody, uh, you know, what's going on with the documentary. Do you have a guess of, you know, when maybe it'll come out this year? Uh, I think it should be dropping this year, but I don't have the uh, – I'm almost positive we'll be dropping it this year. With who on what reach, I don't know. Okay. Also, the movie – um. That I'll let people know about. And one of the reasons why I gained weight and I, I took some time off, it's called uh, Uragan. I'm one of the villains in there. It's It's got a real interesting plot twist. It's just not an MMA fight. It's a psychological thriller involving MMA. So I think people will get a kick out of it, you know, whether you're a fan of mine or just you're a fan of MMA or just a good movie in general. I think people will get a real kick out of it. It's called Uragan. And it's I, I know it drops this year sometime. Really? So is you got a speaking role in it, or speaking role, acting role, fighting role? There's there's a lot of game bit in that movie. Wow. So is that something you think you got a knack for? Did you enjoy doing that, or? Oh, definitely enjoyed it. You know, you get you get paid to fake fight. It's it's <laughs> right. 
rather do the the real fighting is a little bit funner, but this is pretty fun. You know, you don't gotta be in shape. You could just uh, show up and, and go. You, know, you don't have to prepare a whole lifetime for it. Right. Right. So can, can pronounce that for me one more time. What is it? El what? It's a hurricane in Spanish. Huracan. Huracan. Okay. Cool. The movie. The movie's in English, but uh, the the titles in Spanish. But it's an English movie. Awesome, man. We'll definitely be on the lookout for that as well. Again, Game Bread, always a pleasure to speak with you, man. I hope we can catch up again soon, maybe when a fight gets announced. I hope you have a wonderful night, and uh, we've missed having you on the show, buddy. Thank you, man. Uh, God bless everybody listening to this interview, and thank you for having me, man. Always a pleasure, bud. Thank you, sir. Later, bro. Again, like I say many, many times throughout the interview and before the interview, Game Bread is one of the realest guys in this business. Very happy to speak with him again. Very happy to have him back on the show and have a great conversation, as always, with Gamebred. And even more happy that he's working through these issues and injuries that have been nagging him, and he'll be back to work better than ever come this summer. Against two, that remains to be determined, but you can bet your ass that he'll be putting on a great show for his fans. And I'm kind of surprised that the beef with Bisping is still ongoing. Maybe one day in the future that can get resolved. And for sure, let's all be on the lookout for this movie that Game Bread will be featured in, as well as the documentary From Backyards to Bright Lights. But in the words of Burt Watson, we rolling, let's keep it rolling. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Our final guest of the evening, rising bantamweight Grand Prix champion, one of the best small guys in this business, helping Ryzen bring MMA back to Japan to the glory days which it once had. And also joined by his manager, who will be translating for us, Fumihiko Ishii. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next to close out the show, Kyoji Horiguchi. So this will be my first attempt at using an interpreter to speak with an athlete. I'm hoping this goes smoothly. Uh, I guess I'll ask a question. You guys will translate between us. Uh, First off, is Kyoji currently in Florida? If so, how is life at American Top Team today? I feel very good to train at the ATT and live in Florida. Tell us about the decision to train at American Top Team. I know it's I know he's been there a while now, but what has been the most difficult part of adjusting to American culture, in particular the summertime heat of Florida? あの、まずなぜ
ごい自分にとってプラスな面があったんでここにあの来ました文化な面ではどうアメリカの文化とかっていうんでは文化別に文化なんてどこでもか同じじゃないですかっきり言って<笑>うん<笑>うんいや、そう、ジェイソン、それは、キャンディー made a decision to join ADD because of,、uh, they did have、uh, top notch coaches,、uh, which I was missing when I like, trained in Japan. And for the culture wise speaking, I don't see any difference, you know, any place that could have、uh, similar culture anyway. And from the weather point of view or、uh, for the living condition, as you pointed out, During the summertime, very hot outside. However, ATT has a very good air conditioning, so <laughs> as long as I stay in the gym, so I have a very good living environment and training environment. All right, very good. And I noticed on social media that Kyoji likes to go fishing. There must be quite a bit of fishing opportunities for him down there. I'm sure he enjoys that as well. Social media, t h e r 釣りに行った写真がよくアップされますが、フロリダにはいろんな、その釣る、釣り、環境が揃ってるんで、そういう面では楽しんでる、楽しんでると思うけど、どうですかいや、めちゃめちゃ最高ですよ。<笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑> yeah, yeah, Very good, very good. Just something I noticed on his social media that he enjoys fishing quite a bit, so very cool stuff.、Uh, but he's coming off this impressive win、uh, at the Rise and Bantamweight Grand Prix. How happy was he, the, was he with the outcome of all of that? であのバンタムウェイト、素晴らしい結果で、えー、バンタムウェイトのチャンピオンあの、トーナメントですから、素晴らしい結果でチャンピオンになれたわけなんですけども、えー、自分ではこの結果、どう思いますかまあ、そうですね、まあ、3試合ともしっかり決められて勝ったんで、まあ、まあ、そうですね、まあ、あみんな、まあ、当たり前だと思ってたんですけど、まあ、その当たり前のことをしっかりできたなと、まあ、自分では納得してます。Uh, I was able to finish the last three fights,、uh, and、uh, there are many people around me so that I can be a champ.、Uh, but I'm very happy that、uh, I finished the fight and I became champ as other people expected. Very good. Now, true MMA fans are very excited to have a Japanese promotion reminiscent of Pride in Ryzen. Uh, and even more so excited to see the Grand Prix tournaments come back as well. If he could just give us his thoughts on the importance of keeping MMA alive in Japan and how great of a job、uh, Ryzen has been doing so far. MMA is a core fan. The core fan 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 is a core fan. Uh, 
また自分でどんなことで盛り上げたいと思いますかうんやっぱりどんどん強い選手と強い選手が戦ってそのプライド時代じゃないけどそういうふうに盛り上げていきたいなと自分は思ってますね。Uh, I'd like to promote Rising and help Rising to, you know, become the、uh, more prime time as a fight. So the most important part from my point of view is that,、uh, you know, top notch fighters face top notch. So as long as the Rising could put the show for the real fights and invite the,、uh, the tougher fight、uh, from the world, that could help. The promotion. So that's what I'm looking for in Rising. Very good. W- would he agree that, that Ryzen has brought interest in MMA back to the Japanese people? You know, we'd heard that、uh, things had kind of trailed off there for a bit. There wasn't that much interest from the Japanese people. But, you know, would he agree that, that Ryzen has brought back that interest? I don't know. えー、強いファイター同士、タフなファイター同士の試合よりも、もうちょっとその、まあ、カジュアルファン向けの試合を組むっていう話をよく聞くんだけども、今、え、日、ー、どう思いますか、はい、うん、まあ、そうです、それは多分選手選手によって違うと思うんですけど、自分の場合限ってはやっぱ強い選手が当たってきてるじゃないですか。はいまあ、だからそういう人、なんだろう、キャラっていうか。Jason, so Choji believes that、uh, depending on the fighter, depending on the fighter's character, and for instance, for Choji,、um, Gliding is going to put tougher fight, as we can see in the past. And,、uh, He believes that Dyson is going to put much tougher fight or more challenging fight for Kyoji. But meantime, for the other fighters, could be more for entertainment show, like because of they, they have a 2G TV backed up. So maybe some fight could be more good for Kajal fans, for the TV. But、uh, for Kyoji himself,、uh, should be the tougher fight. That's what I'm. He's expecting from Lizzie. Okay. Now, MMA fans in the West were, were sad to see Kyoji leave the UFC roster last year. However, it only makes sense given how big of a star he is in Japan. Could he talk to us a little bit about the decision to leave the UFC and the company's unwillingness to do more to keep him on the roster? I <laughs> よければそのなんで UFC 離れたかと、またもう一つはなんか UFC がその引き止めるために何かやったのかっていう、そういった話、触れられたら嬉しいんだけどっていうことですが。うん、それ、石井さんがあの言える範囲で言っちゃっていいですか<笑>ジェイソンは、教授に、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私<laughs> yeah, do I mention a little bit about the history, what happened exactly? Yeah, if you'd like to. If not, I understand. But yeah, if, if you'd like to touch on that, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah, you know,、uh, the, when we have,、uh, you know, we're in the discussion about the new contract, 
after Choju finished the number of flights. Um, you know, uh, that time, you know, that was timing-wise speaking, pretty bad because right after the merger, right after the acquisition, so we don't know what the direction of UFC. At the same time, we expected a certain, you know, certain offer based upon his performance, based upon his record, and what he did. However, uh, whatever they put together was not we are looking for. So we started to look for options. And I gave all of the information what I could have for Kyoji to make a decision. And the last minute, Kyoji felt that uh, uh, he needed to help the Japanese promotion uh, to, you know, promote MMA in Japan back, you know, the Pride era. So that's the major decision that what why Kyoji left UFC and decided to put more for US. I mean, the rising and in Japan side. Okay, so it was no, not. But- it, it was not only a um, it was not only uh, a financial situation, but he also wanted to do everything he could to bring back MMA in Japan. Yeah, though uh, one additional comment is that if you look at the the UFC that time, Kyoji could have a two fights a year. Great, he could have a three fights a year, but rising side. They have more potential, you know, they only have uh, four or five shows a year, but we felt that, uh, you know, they could commit, uh, you know, them to use Koji for all of events. So think about, you know, two fights in USC versus four fights in Rising. As a fact, he did more than four fights last year. So could we, uh, could help the financial report? The offer was good and uh, also the number of fights. So if we look at the total, much easier for us to promote Koji and also easier to get the sponsorship because the sponsorship was also limited in a UFC. Right. So not so obviously the financial side of it, but he also wanted more opportunities to fight, and Ryzen is clearly providing him with that. Yes. And one comment from UFC was Koji is a great talent, but he's not like big star at that time. And, you know, he need to represent, you know, UFC said that he can make a better offer if he's really representing Japan. So that time I sort of, okay, you know, let's make a big star in Japan for the next one or two years, see what happens. So that's what we're doing today. Right, right. Now, looking ahead, uh, his next fight is one that the fans cannot wait to see. When does he officially begin training camp for his next fight against Ian McCall on May 6th? あの、今日じゃない、今度の試合っていうのはやっぱりコアファンから見てももう本当見たい試合になってるわけなんだけども、今度の試合について、まあトレーニングキャンプっていうんで、いつから始めましたかっていうことなんですけど、まあコール対策
And what kind of challenges does Ian pose for Kyoji inside the inside the ring? Ryzen made the right call, in my opinion, by putting this fight together. As I said, it's a matchup that everybody wants to see. How excited was Kyoji when this fight was first offered to him? I'm sure he had no hesitation to accept this bout. この試合を聞いた時にどんな感情を持ちましたかっていうことなんですかまあすごい嬉しいし、コインカッターがまあなんだろう、まあ世界的にも評価されるかなと思ったですね。I was very happy to hear this proposal from Rising for this matchup. But also, uh, I feel that uh, once I beat Ian McCall, uh, I think the all of fun in the world will give me a regards that you know I I can demonstrate that I can be one of top match fighter in the world. Absolutely, absolutely, two of the best in the business competing in a fight that likely should have happened years ago. Uh, you know, Ian had said one of the main reasons that that he decided to join Ryzen. 
aside from making better money, was the opportunity to fight Kyoji. Uh, that must be pretty flattering for Kyoji, right? Okay. Now, Ian's coming off the controversial loss to Manel Cape in the first round of the Grand Prix. Uh, many, many do not consider that a loss for Ian. Would Kyoji agree with that? So there was a there was a lot of honor and respect there. He wanted to go back and show his old master the respect he deserved kind of deal there. Yes. Okay, very honorable, very very honorable of him. Um but listen, changing gears here for a moment, I just wanted to get his op- opinion on Demetrius Johnson. Many 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 consider the, him the best in the world, but he hasn't been able to draw the viewership of a big superstar. I'm wondering why does Kyoji think that fans in the West Aren't so, you know, aren't so inclined to appreciate Mighty Mouse and some of the lighter weight classes. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, the last part. The, the... Yeah, I was just wondering wh- wh- why does Kyoji think that the fans in the U.S. and the Western markets why don't they appreciate the smaller guys like Mighty Mouse? I see. Uh, Kyoji, Oh. 
ケンドル・ジョンソンのことを評価しないのか、あこれは軽量級だからという質問なんだけど、どう思う,うん、まあ、はっきり言った派手な試合しないかもしれないですけど、派手ではないのか。なるほど。Uh, Jason, don't worry that、uh, his fighting style is not you know, explosive. It's you know, very well managed. No excitement. Okay, so he thinks it's a lack of excitement from, from Demetrius' style. <clears throat> That's what he believes, yes. Okay. Now, is that a fight that Kyoji still thinks about? I'm wondering what would he do differently in a rematch if it was ever to come to fruition? もしあのリーマッチのチャンスがあったらもちろんやりたいかっていうことなんだけど。それはもちろん。Of course, I wanna, re- I wanna have a rematch against Demetrius Johnson.True, true. True, true, true. I was just wondering, you know, what, if he still thinks about that fight and what he would do differently. I know that everybody would like to see that rematch eventually sometime down the line if it was possible. Uh, もちろんあのみんなファンもそれ見たがってんだけどもうチャンスがあればどこでも試合するよねまあそうですねどこでもしますよ<笑> Of course is there any chance I can fight anywhere in the world Okay very good <laughs> Alright listen you've, bore, you've both been more than generous with your time I just have a couple more questions here、uh, Getting back to his own career without looking past Ian McCall what would Uh, Kyoji like to accomplish in Ryzen? What are his, what are his goals for this year? まあそうですね、もっともっと雷神の知名度をどんどん上げていきたいなっていうところですね、まあ、自分とかもう他の周りの選手ももっともっと集めて、ねうん、っていう感じですかね<笑>あとはまあ試合もちょっとエキサイティングなマッチアップを作ってくれればっていうそんな感じまあそうですね、そんな感じです、うんあ But、my goal is to promote Rising as much as possible and I hope that Rising could invite top notch fighters from the world. And、uh, also, you know, I want to show them my exciting fight to the fans. So hopefully, you know, Rising can put together for me to demonstrate my ability to show the exciting fights, more challenging fights. Okay, well, I know all the fans would certainly agree with that. How many times would he like to compete this year? 今年何試合やりたいかっていう質問ですが、まあ、怪我なければ、そうですね、何試合でも5試合、6試合、何試合でもですね。I want to fight as much as possible as long as I'm injury free, maybe five fights, six fights a year. Wow, that's very ambitious. I certainly hope that that can, that can happen.、Uh, so, again, listen, you've been more than generous with your time, both of you guys. In conclusion, can you tell us how he visualizes this fight playing out? And what is his prediction for the bout? Why does everybody need to make sure that they tune in on May 6th? Uh, 
ちょっとそのあたり触れてくださいっていうことですかうーんまあそうですねまあもともと言うシーンに2人ともてまあなんだろう向こうからカットじゃなくて自分たちからカットなわけですとかほぼ USC っていうことで、うん、まあレベルその雷神のレベルじゃなくて本当に世界トップのレベルだと思うんで、うん、まあもうしっかりまあ注目なんじゃないかなと自分は思います<笑>え何何何しっかりね自,自分も注目のカードなんじゃないかなと思う<笑>え自分も何何のカード<笑>自分も注目のカードだと思うああ、なるほどね。はい。で、うん、だから絶対見た方がいいよっていう、そういうことね。そうそう。まあ、試合内容的には、すごい、激しい試合になると思うんで、まあ、しっかり見てください。こんな感じです。あ、ジェイさん、そう、This is a fight. Kind of rising fight. This is a fight, like the USC are top level fights, because both of us are title contender. In the USC, so all of、uh, MM fans should watch the fight. Not treat like rising, ordinary rising fight, should be a, just a, one of the best matchups in the world. And、uh, in terms of my fight course, this should be a very, very exciting fight. So fa- the fans should not miss my fight. Well, I would certainly agree with him. And、uh, I, you know, this is definitely one that. Could have happened years ago, as he said. Matchup between two of the best in the world. I'm certainly looking forward to it.、Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak with both of you today. I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this, Fumi. And、uh, are there any sponsors Kyoji would like to thank or anything either of you would like to plug? スポンサースポンサーうん。もう名前。うん。Like、リドックとか、カレオとか。ああ。そうですね。まあ、いつも本当にサポートしていただいて、まあ、皆さんのこれは本当に自分、今の自分があると思ってるんで、まあ、あの、これからもどんどん自分も貢献できるように頑張るんで、これからも全続き。あれ、なんすかスポンサーの名前言わないと。あ、言うんすかうん。じゃあそれ、石井さん言ってください。いや、言った方がいいよ、行事の声から。本当ですかいいまあ、リンポックとか。な、どこまで出していいのかまあ、普通でいいよ。メジャーになってくるね。えー、ハレオ。えー、あとなんだっけ。ディーボック、ハレオ、あと何でしたっけあ、そんなところ吹いた人く。<笑>まあ、なんか言っといてくださいよ、それ。はい、はい。サビゲーションとしたの time。Okay, very good. 
again, greatly appreciate both of your times. Uh, hopefully we can catch up again when the fight draws near. Uh, domo origato to you both, and uh, I hope you guys both have a great day. Tell Kyoji I hope he has a wonderful time fishing. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. All right. All right, you both have a great day. All right, there you have it, Penn Nation. Another truly stacked episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Tune in next week. Listen to more awesome conversations with some of your favorite MMA athletes. Until then, thank you all for tuning in. Big shout-out to everybody on Team Penn. And make sure you guys bookmark us and follow us on social media. On behalf of everybody from BJPenn.com, this is Jay Kinch signing off. Mahalo, everybody. Till next time, peace out.